Coming at you from Handsome Headquarters here in sunny Los Angeles, California, I'm Lee Sanger-Golden, and this is Liberal Guilt Radio, LGR. I am joined in studio, actually in the MF studio, by my illustrious colleague and co-host, Ben. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing uh, all right. Thanks, Lee. How are you? I'm good. Uh, I just set up our newest version of Handsome Headquarters uh, in our new home, and I realized I only set up one pair of cans. Um, so you sound great right now. Like your mic, I'm using the expensive mic, and I've given you the cheap mic, but you sound great. So I don't know. Maybe wow. I need to switch this up midway. The through. last person that told me that was on a bus in high school. Oh, really? Yeah, nobody compliments my voice. Thank you so much, Lee. But the bus was the Magical Mystery Tour. Oh, it most certainly was. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, let's see, what's going on in the news? My sister just texted me and said that she's so sad that Joe Cocker is white. Because, you know, it's the Jewish New Year, by the way. Shana Tova. Oh, Shana Tova, yes, thank you. And uh, today, uh, I had the unfortunate... Uh, duty to explain to my sister that Joe Cocker, you know, the guy who sings, what would you do if I sing out of tune? I, was yes. Why? I do. She was crestfallen. I, that's amazing. Yeah. I, I think the last time I started this sad was when she found out that Roy Orbison was dead. Oh, that's gotta hurt. Yeah. Especially. It was Sinead O'Connor for me recently. Oh yeah. yeah. She really like banged on a lot of doors and opened shit up. Oh, she did. Oh. At a personal level, I think, most for a lot of people. They didn't really make it public. I was wondering why my dog Moneypenny is whining, and it's because you put your poker chips ah. right next to uh, <laughs> Can you get in there now, Penny? She's just all out of sorts. I think she let wants these taquitos that you made oh, for us. Oh, that's a good point. I <laughs> hate taquitos. Guy, are you sure you don't want taquitos? You want some taquitos? Okay. We're having a freewheeling episode here. Yeah, we're showing people that we're actual humans with lives that happen. No, it works great. Sometimes just the act of chewing is enough, you know? (laughs) You don't have to cook it. Yeah, these are great. It'll cook in my mouth. At least we're not going to get some weird parasite or bacteria. Oh, you already talked about that? The lens? Oh, no. We haven't talked about that. What? Did that happen recently? Guys, let's get sex. We're on the air, guys. Can't you see? Ben's in a suit. We're on the air. I wore this for the live radio. We're on the air. You got to look good on the radio. Guy's got a vest. He's ready. All right. Yeah, he does have it. I like that vest. Come on, Penny. I thought she was trying to legitimately you can sit on my lap. If you want to be a lap dog, Penny, come. She's just going to try to get your food. I know, but I won't let her. She can eat my hand off before I let her have my food. This is a John Barbados. When does it become not... That's my... Because I have a question for you. You might know this. Right, we're back. Yeah, so you might know this. When so you said it's a suit, and I said it's a John Barbados. There are yeah. at certain point, there's certain these like people who become fashion icons, where the brand and their name become so emblematic. Sometimes people forget they're even talking about 
a person originally. Mm-hmm. So, but so at what point does something where you're just like, oh, nice suit, and you're like, it's a John Varvatos, where they're not like, well, why you say it like that? It's like, oh, it's a different thing. It is a suit, but you don't call it suit. So at what point in someone's like, I'll tell you exactly when it yeah. is. Yeah, when does that happen? It's when someone asks you, who are you wearing? I like that. Yeah. Yeah. If someone says, what are you wearing? You say a suit. And then if you if I say, ooh, who are you wearing? Then you say. John Barbados. Ooh, I don't know who that is. But like, but if I'm in a situation where I'm asking this, I have to be like, oh, yeah, well, he used to be good. But now his stuff, his fits aren't up to par. Yeah, for sure. And I do want to give a silent shout out. Only this person and a few others will know who they are. The one that gave the best men at his wedding all John Varvato suits. I'm wearing your suit. I love you. All right. Well, this this one goes out to you. I just died in your homes tonight. We'll be right back. I must have been something you ate. I just knocked your mic. That was so well done that the song that I was about to bust out singing, I completely forgot what it was. Uh, it, was, was it was Dreamweaver. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> if Dream. only. Yeah. So it's the Jewish New Year's. And Which, I was just... Shana Tova again. Let's yeah. make sure that got heard. Yeah. Shana Tova. And um, I realized you can tell a important civilization, smart people really, based on whether or not they have their own New Year. So you got... Mm. Chinese people, they got the Chinese New Year. We know, we know Chinese people know what's up. They Truth. invented like pasta and rockets. These are this is an awesome culture, right? Persians, they got their own New Year. We know they're smart, right? Jews, obviously, we're smart. We got to have our own New Year. So, anyway, it's the Jewish New Year, which is the thing is we are so far in the future. It's the year like 5785 or something. It's it's up there. It's we're in the 5000s. Yeah, you know we're almost I mean? we're, we might hit 6 soon. So, all y'all Christians are still in the 21st century and like we're in the 5000 we're in like <laughs> Isaac Asimov foundation time. 59th century or something. That's right. You still owe us money. <laughs> 3000 3000 years in the future. Yeah. All you goyim still owe us money, so you better pay up. Maybe that's just what it is. The Jews are like the time travelers. Mm. So we yeah. know cuz you said that you owe us money as if 3000 years from now that'll still be a debt and you're like <laughs> I know this cuz we're time travelers. <laughs> well, you've said it many times before. Lashana Tova. Lashana Tova. That uh, it's easier to think of the end of the world than the end of capitalism. So true. Because we have so many uh, movies about the end of the world. Look at my snaps. Oh, yeah. But we have no movies about like what would happen if you just could, you know, get water for free. Because <laughs> it exists. Um. One thing I did think of it concerning water in the future, and people love like this apocalypse stuff, but someone asked me recently about my love of uh, Holland, the Netherlands, that area, uh, for many right. reasons. But in terms of flooding, and one thing that it got me thinking was, yes, there's a lot of places by the sea that could experience significant flooding, but that part of the world is distinctive of having uh, built a series of dikes and levees and other water movement systems. Watch your mouth. For six 
hundred years. And so it's something I thought of called manual override, where in California, for instance, we have one of the most extensive water capture, storage, and distribution networks in the world. Right. But it's very heavy machinery. And it's very easy for Tom Selleck to break into it. That, but then I was also thinking the soft side, which is what if you just don't have enough people to operate it? You just can't possibly move it. So the Holland has this override function where you could, if you needed to post, say, like machines and easy energy, still do a lot of the water movement and live in a place that's very fertile. Like Holland is one of the largest food exporters in the entire world and the country is tiny. So it's an incredibly fertile part of the world. So it's not like... She's just banging on the door. But yeah, like there's a lot of... But California, we are lucky. We do have this water system. And as long as it has the energy to be run, it's one of the most beautiful things. Just the number of people that can live. Right. Well, it's funny you talk about levees and dikes and water systems. Uh, At today's New Year's party at uh, my sister's uh, in-law's house, uh, my sister's sister-in-law was asking... um, how many times a day or how often do you think of the Roman Empire? And God damn it, dog. Do you want me? Uh, oh, we should. Oh, yeah. Actually, we'll just take one of each. Yeah. Well, no, we'll leave it here. Let's just. Penny, you need to. Penny, you need to go away. I actually thank you, Lee. The the erratic energy. I've been living in that space for like the last two weeks now, honestly, because my foot's healed enough where I can do things, but not quite enough to like fully get into it. Right. So I have this absolute high pitch level of erratic thought, and so the nature of tonight is actually quite perfect for me. So thank you. For okay. Coming. Good. Yeah, because tonight's the first recording we've done at Handsome Headquarters, the new iteration. Everything's out of sort. Ben and I were like rummaging through bags and bins in the garage to find another XLR cable so we could record. And like Ben jokingly was like, well, it's probably in that random (laughs) tote bag that you got for free at a literary festival that's sitting next to batteries and saws and BB guns. I was like, absolutely not. I look in there. It's exactly what I've been looking for. Oh, fuck. It's like the most hard to see through canvas bag or some like of the that weird material that you can only get at events and like fairs you're like what right. is this and it just kind of blends in like a little stuffed animal like on a bookshelf like you know the bear that's there and you're like you don't even see it right. but then you put these things that are just so precious that are like the final link and in this case it was your cables and you're like my life can't go on without them right it's not the precious thing it's not the the you know hundreds or thousands of dollars of equipment it's the thing you need to plug it in so it exactly works. like this the equipment itself i have in like a nice safe place and i know exactly where it is exactly. but like to plug the thing to plug it in where the fuck is that it should be in like a really large see-through bin so i was just thinking just today about takes up space i should have gotten all see-through bins because yeah. my wife has see-through bins for some of her stuff and because they're like they're like 10 cents more expensive at Lowe's. Well, so the like, good thing like that. about 
Judaism is you don't have to wait to Sunday to confess your sins. If you just go up to the person, ask for forgiveness, you can then move on. So I would say you made a mistake, ask for forgiveness and start over today, oh, right yeah. now. Don't wait till Sunday. Oh, it is Sunday, but no. that's a technicality. Well, the Catholics just have a better business model. You know what I mean? They really, they make you cash in and, and guilt up every week. Whereas the Jews, like we just save it up, Yeah, you know, to, to apologize at the end of the year. But then at the end and of the year, they also don't, Every once in a while, a generation won't like oppose to like vocally supporting some group that just wants to keep population numbers in check to use a euphemism. Like, <laughs> it really helps when you'll go to those extremes where you're like, wow, that was a big bang. That wasn't a little whimper at all. Yeah, but, that was oof. But, you know, get them where it hurts and say the quiet stuff out loud. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So what what Ben's talking about is that after the Jewish New Year's, we have Yom Kippur where you like starve yourself for a day and, and you're also supposed <laughs> to, you're supposed to, you cast away your sins or whatever Ugh. and you apologize to everyone you've wronged over the years. So the thing is like, it's like every Jew has to work the 12th step every year. Yes. You know what I mean? By the way, I Lee, before you move on from that, let's just yeah. remind the audience, it's not just the one day of fasting, but for the eight days between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, you're supposed to be in this constant state of atonement right. and forgiveness, and it's an entire week. And some people are like, it's actually eight days. You're like, maybe don't the, drive me crazy. Maybe the Catholics have it right. Maybe we just get this out of our system every Sunday, pay up. Seriously. And then we eat. So I'm so, converted. <laughs> yeah. Well, Indiana Jones, the last crusade that converted me. I've been Catholic for all these years. Yeah, that's interesting because my Catholic wife has been showing that movie to me. I mean, this is a bit of an embellishment, but I'm gonna say Wait, every quarter. Catholic? Yes. Damn. All right. Yeah. Respect. You're gonna have the guiltiest daughter. Yeah, but she did say that the, she already the, feels that bad. She's never even sinned. She did say the way I described the Jewish education growing up. She said it sounds like Catholicism without all the icky stuff. And I took that. I was like, that's actually a really good one sentence description of something. You're like, well, have you ever had smoked salmon with applesauce? Cause well, <laughs> there's plenty of icky shit, girl. Well, I guess what Do you, talk- have you ever heard of gefilte fish? It's like in the world of just ideas, like ideas can't feed you. But yeah. in the world of food, 100 percent, those always override this idea. Oh, yeah. It, ideas are dangerous. Let me tell you. Yeah, we're, 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 as opposed to Catholicism, we're pretty anti-raping kids. <laughs> so that, I guess that's kind of icky too. Yeah, um, see, we got a lot of good things going. I think we just stick with it and just like see it through. I think we should just dedicate ourselves. Agreed. All right, good. So my whole family. I mean, let's not to interrupt you, but especially fine. because a couple of days ago it was Rosh Hashanah. It feels like if at any point we do it, it's around the new year. Yeah. Let's, so. Well, because that's. That's when everybody shows up in their nice outfits. Like when we went to shul for Rosh Hashanah, like I saw uh, there was this little girl crying and begging not to leave, which to me is like the opposite. Usually I'm like crying and begging to get the fuck out of here. She's the one that becomes a rabbi in 30 years. Well, no, she's the one that becomes a real housewife in 30 years because (laughs) this? this kid was like was dressed like Lisa Vanderpump, like where you're just like, whoa, you spent a little too much money on this, but you spent just enough time and effort that I'm very impressed. And uh, you're really sending a message and um, you are really establishing yourself as a positive fashion presence. Yeah. And you're nine years old. So like, I realized that I think for a lot of people in the LA Jewish community, which is a lot different from what I've observed from the, Bay Area Jewish community, which is a little more crunchy, 
Rosh Hashanah is like a time to like show up in your Sunday best and like show off like, oh, I got this new G-Wagon and my husband got me this new ring and I have this new Prada bag and these What's Gucci the- boots and the Balenciaga scarf. So it it's really like, it really trips trips me out. Like seeing a, a, a little girl dressed as a reality show TV person begging not to leave Temple. But um, I guess you always got to ask though with those rings, is it? Is the band like you wanna like? Do they cheap out on the band? That's what you gotta no, look no, for. No, no, we don't. Che- no, no, no. But the Jews of Beverly the Hills don't do, cheap out on the, the band. But the ones that do, you kick out. You don't let in. Right. Yeah. <laughs> they're not. They're not. Always real look Jews. at the band of the ring. The ring. Don't let. Don't you know? Don't let it deceive you, people. And if they don't let you in the club, because we here's the thing: we didn't have tickets to the right show. My sister was doing the 10, but we thought she was doing the 10.30, so we got the tickets to the 10.30. And are they calling it a show now? Is that no, their word no, or yours? No, 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 no. I, I do still... My sister sounds so good. I still do want to clap when she sings, but it's like, it's, you know, you don't clap. You're at, allowed... A time of congregation, yes, there should be more people clapping more often. It's that it's become so, like, taboo. Where like yes. you, It's like, who starts again? And you should start. You Dude. can pull it off, so you should do it. Take it upon yourself. Make that sacrifice, Lee. Do my, it. My my friend in Hebrew school, Jack, uh, he got in trouble for doing the Arsenio Hall whoop whoop in synagogue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, there's so that a lot might of be going over the censorship line. exists in so many shapes and form. We don't even sometimes call it that when it but is. So it's crazy. A, that's such a jump too to go for like, well, we don't clap. To go from nothing to, woo, woo, woo. <laughs> but like, he, how old? Did was, he, how old was he when he did it? A teenager? No, and it was more important to note not his age, but the age of the world, which was nineteen hundred and ninety-two. Yes, so he was a product of his age, like most of us, and I'm sure the kid was what very young. At yeah, this point. so at that, point, so he's it's basically he's embodying what is around him. But we should be doing that, of course. So, so anyway, my my family. They apologize. Oh, if I've wronged you this year, you know, I'm really sorry. And uh, my response was, I've done nothing wrong. I'm perfect. And I'm sorry you all have to live in my shadow. Wow. And to give a good song for this one, it's that this one goes out to the one I love. Bill <laughs> <Yeah>. Collins. <laughs> this one goes out to the one I love. Oh, dude, we're in the Matrix and we're running out of RAM because like Phil Collins has come up <laughs> like eight times in the last five minutes in my life. Dude, you know. I mean, you got Swift Quakes going on at stadiums. People <laughs> seeing Taylor Swift. We got RAM running out on computers because of Phil Collins searches. It's so <laughs> true. Like the world, like where are we going to put all this stuff? The cloud, it doesn't well, exist. The cloud's got to grow. I started it with a bad joke yesterday where it's my mom yeah, was what was it my parents like i never want to talk about the bible old testament but like you know my parents always want to bring it up and my mom was <laughs> yeah. talking about something that was in genesis she's like whoa you know that's in genesis and i was like whoa you know phil collins is in genesis <laughs> too. that's a good you she must have laughed a little. <laughs> yeah she did i was good. like the problem with exodus is there's not enough drum solos <laughs> genesis is way better so wow uh so anyway, and then today we were talking about, uh, I took my son to Guitar Center for the first time and my daughter for the first time because yesterday he was at his papa's house and he had grabbed a stick and he was just banging on the uh, trees with the stick. And I was like, we got to get this kid some drumsticks. So I took him to Guitar Center nice. and my wife went and got her nails did, handed her a hondo and said, you know, you, you were allowed to have 47 minutes without the children. Go get your nails did. Wow. And we're going to go to uh, Guitar Center. 
and uh, uh, Max was strapped to me, and Guy was just running around in a vest with no shirt. <laughs> I just saw that look just, tonight. It's hilarious. Just banging on everything. And so we got him like <laughs> cute little like seven ninety nine kids drumsticks, and uh, he loved it. Wow. And then when we were at the Rosh Hashanah dinner tonight, uh, Aunt Diane was talking about, oh, well, you know, Phil Collins, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> so it's like Phil Collins has come. It's and been then two days. Yeah. And then we listened to In the Air tonight on the way home because we were like, oh, we're wow. trying to think of like good drumming. So the first thing we thought of was like, we play, he he always, he loves the Raiders of the Lost Ark theme. He okay. loves, he's yes. obsessed with Indiana Jones. It's great. And uh, there's great... <laughs> symbols and like there's the it, you know you've got the snare drum because it's like a march and you've got the the symbols the crash symbols you know it's uh you know it's a real it's a real banger you know and then we listen to i can feel it coming in the air and he was just like rocking out in the back his bang so yeah we're we're way into wow. the drum thing situation so but like i think that is though a good capture of it like it's like if you had to put things in one sentence back to that whole thing it's like when did we run out of storage space of data like when was the in, when was the the peak in retro yeah it was taylor swift concerts and phil collins searches yeah. it's like that's just what it was and we can go you know there's obviously other things that went into it but that was the inflection point because it's like a lot of other stuff was obviously happening. People would be like, well, what about this person? This is like all that stuff's happening. I'm saying the inflection was then when they got so big that it's like we just – everything just couldn't handle it anymore. We ran out of data and storage and it just all collapsed. I think you hit the nail on the head. Yeah. The collapse so, might take a while, but we'll be here. So uh, do you know who city council person Rahman is? Nithya yes, Rahman? Nithya Rahman. Nithya, yes. Nithya Rahman. Okay. So yesterday when we were at Shul for Rosh Hashanah, uh-huh. we're sitting next to these two women and uh, and this guy, and there's like kind of a slight jockeying over the reserved seats. Like we all had reserved seats, but it was sort of unclear. We're the clergy family members, so we just assume that we're hot shit. Well, I, I don't. I. I don't, you don't I, assume, you know, because that's part of the tradition of yes, 5,800 some odd years. Right. That the Although clergy rabbinic, gets the, rabbinic Judaism didn't start till up. A couple thousand years. A hundred percent. Yeah. So well, anyway, we'll give it. I'm you. very like, oh, just let, you know, I don't want to reserve. So I'd rather just like hold my kid and stand in the back. And so I can be able to like easily like be like, oh, I gotta go to the bathroom and like totally. vote and come back, you know, whatever. And like silently spy on people. <laughs> yeah. Like they have big, it's a big shul. They got big video monitors. I can see my sister from the back. It's like a Dodgers game. And, uh, but anyway, we're kind of all going in and out of the aisle because we have kids and there's these three people sitting there and one of the gentlemen goes, well, you know, this seat is reserved for us. And I'm like, that's fine. And, and, and I told my mom, it's like, oh, I feel bad. I keep like going around these guys and I feel like they're, they feel like we're edging up on their seats. And, and she's like, no, there are seats and I don't care about blah, 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 blah. Yeah. I agree with you. Already. And so we go through the ceremony and then my sister and the rabbi, they come up and they go, my sister's the cancer, and uh, so she's more important, honestly. And uh, seriously, most people are there for the music. Yeah, exactly. Look, I love the rabbi, but the rabbi—you could basically just read a Berenstein Bears story and do the same job as the rabbi. Exactly. And it's like then I love the listening two to bears. The they decided the girls were allowed. Yeah. Yeah. It's like everyone is also going for the rabbi, but people are primarily they concerned stay. with the music and the cancer. Exactly. A hundred percent. Like so I was about to got, say. So what happened? Okay. So then they're like, we'd like to thank for all of her support, Nidia Roman. And she stands up and she's been sitting next to us the whole time. 
I said I would never pay uh, membership dues to any synagogue or any religious thing that has gotten too into what I just generally vaguely call politics. And it's like, yeah. I'll know it when I see it. This is seeing it. A, politi- a politician comes and takes some seats at a religion. And, and it's a high holidays, nonetheless. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's when it's become. That isn't actually an example of, like, broadly speaking, fascism, folks. No, no, Yes, no, it is. It's little. Most... It's very little and, no. and very, very petite fascism. It's petite fascism. The, the it's like the liberal, French version. It's like petite fascism. The most liberal city council person no, but I mean in the, the history act, of the country. But it doesn't matter. Yes, liberal can but also be fascist. Per. But remember, liberal can be fascist. So what I'm saying is the right. act of okay. a politician taking a clergy family seat at Rosh Hashanah but it wasn't is a petite, petite no. fascism. I'm pretty oh, sure. but it's her office, right? No, 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 no. I'm pretty sure it was the guy who was... Who is like guys oh, you are know, the worst? You know the seats for us, or this the seat is reserved. I'm pretty sure that guy was like her handler at the temple. Exactly. So she's uh, he's of the office, but it's not her. I'm not throwing her under the bus. I don't care. Yeah. No. About she it. obviously is like. So she was every time we had to like. Oh, excuse me, bump by her. She was smiling and nice, and I was like, oh, this person's so nice. Well, like, and it makes sense that she's a politician. Like a politician, like. The last thing you want to be doing is like yelling at a baby. At a, right. And so I had no idea who this person was. But my wife, she's super liberal and into like local politics. So she knew. And I was like, well, Ben's absolutely going to know who this person is. I have no idea who it is. I do. So anyway. So at the personal level, I 100% agree with you. And that's why when I get to like sometimes just like intellectual level, which I'm not saying is better, just different. <laughs> it gets to the point of like if I call something like this like an act of like petite fascism, most people think I'm fucking crazy. And they're like, no, no, no. There's this it's like I understand what you're saying. So it's not like accusing it of like committing I just like don't mass want atrocities. It. So it's like but that little act of like taking the seat of the clergyman's clergy person's family on nothing else than the highest of all high holidays. Or second. Right. But they didn't take the seat. There was plenty of seats. It was more like, it was just funny. Oh, I don't mean it. Yeah. Well, so, you know. Oh, so, so they didn't take the seats. They, no, they didn't. It wasn't that they took the, didn't take the seats. It was that like, I think our family was crowding up on this row of seats that was like, we, or at least my mom thought was like reserved for clergy. The family members. has gotten too big. But it was like, no, it was actually just, res- it was actually the row was reserved for an elected politician. And it was funny. So my mom turns to me, she goes, oh, well, maybe these weren't our seats. <laughs> Wow, but so yes, a hundred percent. It was planned that way, but because I specifically was like, I feel bad that we like are edging up against these people. We're bumping into them as we walk by, and she's like, I don't feel bad. These are our seats, and it's like, maybe we should have felt bad. So my wife goes up, Amelia goes up, and she says, you know, I'm a big fan and supporter, and you know, she didn't say I donated to your campaigns, but she definitely has. So yeah, so I, I knew that you would know who she is. So now you're on the in. Yeah. So other than being a petite fascist, what is she known for? No, I didn't say she is. I said I, the, this the old act. act. Right. Words are very, very slippery. Lee. But you know what happens? <laughs> like this, somebody just happens to listen to this, and then the word gets spread around, and then it's going to be in the the, the 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 newsletter of the temple is Cantor's brother calls us fascists or something right this will get spun i'm like it's not even me it was the other guy on the podcast but if one why is this the only time anyone listened to this god damn it but whatever any news is good news right or what is it about getting fame oh there's no such thing as bad press exactly so the thing is like if anyone were to take the time to listen to the full tape that was taken out of context in this way they'll hear the way that we're talking about it which is not at all what the headlines are completely saying. flippant exactly so you know 
it's not saying that we might not end up dead or in a political prison, but you know, <laughs> political prison. We have no air. idea what's going to happen, and let's just assume it's not, and just say whatever we want. All right, good. In that case, no, I'm not going to say it. <laughs> <laughs> I've just been talking all day about how I think the the Volkswagen. The VW Bug is the best car of all time, not because it's the nicest car or uh, the coolest car, the fastest car, or the most reliable car. Just the fact that you can do anything to them, you can put anything oh, in totally. them, on them, turn them into anything, and there's, you just see, see one on the road every day. Yeah, one of my neighbors who I've gotten to know just a little bit, not too much, uh, him and his friends fix up old cars. And right now, and sometimes they have so many, they have to put them all around the area. Oh, man, there's a VW that. that I'd never seen before, and it's one of the most beautiful. It's pre that like, the 80s or 70s it's got to be yeah. 50s or 60s and it's like they so they fix them up and this one they've been very slowly working on so it's still like this paint is stripped but the body still looks is it nice. like a carmen Ghia? it looks it's very like elongated it looked almost like a uh like a porsche yeah from the that's 60s. the carmen Ghia. carmen the, Ghia. the poor man's porsche specifically what they that was the per, nickname so that was parked out and i hadn't really seen it before in person until today and i was like that is a beautiful car so the yeah. carmen Ghia. I've always wanted a Carmen Ghia. They're great. I love I love the Volkswagen Bug, the Volkswagen Bus. They need to bring back the Carmen Ghia. At the Volkswagen over, I think, in your neighborhood, that, that de- dealership, they do have an old really? Carmen Ghia. They got to bring that back. Because um, that's their thing. Vans, Carmen Ghias, Bugs, and also the VW Thing. You ever heard of this? The Thing? The Thing. It's like really? kind of like a crossover truck type thing. It's ugly and beautiful. It's great. Oh, is it from the 21st century? Uh, yeah. Okay, that's what it's It's a John Carpenter film from 1979 called The Thing. Um, no, uh, so the, uh, Carmen Ghia is also, uh, notorious for, uh, being one of the objects that the Zodiac Killer used to, uh, write, uh, one of his taunts. So, after the Lake Berryessa killing, uh, in 69, I think. Six, 60, okay. Yeah, Brian Hartnell was injured, and Cecilia Shepard, uh, God rest her soul, was murdered by the, the Zodiac killer. Um, and Brian Hartnell drove a uh, Carmen Ghia, Volkswagen Carmen Ghia. Interesting. And uh, they, I think they were Seventh-day Adventists or something like that. It's it oh. very, very, they're very interesting folks, and it's a very sad story. Um, and... Um, he was driving this Carmen Ghia and after the killing, the Zodiac killer went up to the Carmen Ghia and scrawled the Zodiac symbol. And then he also wrote like his body count. He wrote like the different um, dates of the previous murders and the body count. So like the Carmen Ghia uh, is a beautiful car, but it's, if you're like a, a weird true crime nerd, or if you're just like a weirdo like me, you know, the Carmen Ghia is like, I think Zodiac we should investigate this to the level of we know what utensil was used to carve it into the car. Oh, yeah, I think it was like a that? sharp. I think it was a sharpie. Oh, it was we do know the it. we do know the pens what year that, was sharpie in created? Even if it was before the name. I don't sharpie. know, but the, but people have done this. So like this, the paper mate, this classic. Yeah. But in 1969, were they using those? Yeah, so that's oh, that's shit. what he used for his his letters. Wow, that. Dude, if I got a letter like that written in felt peach From colored pen, killer? I would no, it wasn't peach. He used uh, he used the blue. That would. But my mother in law got me like the multi pack. She knew I was like researching the Zodiac case, so she was like, got me the multi pack. So I obviously like the blue and the red are good, um, but um, 
Oh, you know what's really interesting? Yeah. So what's up? There's some people who say that uh, so that the the Zodiac Killer might have worked or been interested in Mount Diablo in the Bay Area. Usually. I heard this from so, several people. Yeah, yes. he made this map with like the Zodiac like crosshair yes. on top of the mountain and said, "Use this code. Use the code with this map, and you'll be able to find out where I put a bomb." Yeah. It's like the second coming of Masada. It's like go to this place, and, yes, and civilize it. Right. And, and yeah, Mount Diablo is just like legendary place. It's beautiful. Wow. I used to go camping there. And there's, um, the story was General Vallejo, who Vallejo is named after, which incidentally is where the first Zodiac slang occurred, or, uh, is um, chasing these uh, indigenous people. Uh, and he chases them into this thicket. And he says, All right, you're totally surrounded. I got horses and guys all around you. Either uh, you come out now, or we'll we'll kill you. We'll give wow. you until the morning. So they waited all morning, and then they were like, "Well, all right, we're gonna come kill you guys. There's no place where you could have possibly escaped." And they go in there to the thicket, and the guys are gone. They've disappeared into thin air. And oh General Vallejo goes, "Monte Diablo," which most people think is Mount Diablo, yes. but it's actually no. Thicket of the Devil. Wow, Monte, yeah, Monte that's what Diablo. they call that grass that just you. Oh, it destroys your body if you exactly. try to go through it. So, how oh. did those guys? They just disappeared into the mouth wow. of the fucking devil. So, I grew up. My bedroom looked out over Mount Diablo. I woke up every morning of my life until I left for college, looking at Mount Diablo. Wow. So, I'm drawn, and I went up and camping there and hiking there. I'm drawn and obsessed to this place. So. They thought that he, and wow. the, the thing is like, some people were like, oh, well, he obviously knew codes. So all this, the Mount Diablo signal station was wow. used as a huge signal station during the Cold War. So all of these coded messages were probably getting sent back and forth across the country wow. using Mount Diablo because it's the highest peak in that area. So like I was reading about this and I just imagined sometimes you get these moments where you think about who the Zodiac could have been and this chill yeah. goes over your body. And I'm imagining him working at that signal station up there, wow. just writing his little codes and shit, right? Yeah. So I go up there. That's cool. When I'm doing you remember we were we were in Tennessee and I was talking about how I'm doing the Zodiac project. Yes, yes. So after we were in Tennessee for work and then the next week I went up to the Bay Area and so I I went to all the crime scenes and then I went up to Mount Diablo. And I'm up there. I'm wearing a fedora. I have a huge. Remember, I had that huge mustache then, and that Indiana Jones jacket. Oh, I've Jones got jacket. that picture of you and our two coworkers with the little mustaches all yes. matchy matchy. Yes. And it's in. I've seen it almost every day when I go Beautiful. to get our dogs drugs. We have it here too. So I'm basically dressed like Tom Selleck's audition for Indiana Jones. Wow. <laughs> and I have like Polaroid camera and like a briefcase with all these like Polaroids of crime scene photos. And these three uh, young college girls come up to me. And they're like, oh, hey, our car is down at the bottom of the mountain. Can you give us a ride? And I go, yeah, sure. The thing is, like, these girls, how unstreet smart are they? Like, I'm street smart enough that I'm thinking these girls are going to try to kill me. They're going to, like, seduce me and be like, oh, there's three cute college girls. are going to, like, get this guy. <laughs> and they're like, oh, our car's over here. They're going to. But it's not sexual exodus. It's death. Yeah, no, they're, they're gonna, gonna kill. kill they're gonna kill me. Yeah, they're that's gonna, smart. They're gonna take my. I would always Polaroid. assume that. Yeah, no, 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 no. I would assume if these women had expressed any interest in me, I would have automatically assumed like, well, they're clearly trying to kill me. Like, yeah, there's I no way these nice ASAP. girls would be interested in Tom Selleck. But you gave him a chance. It sounds like. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, so they were like, can we get a ride? So I'm like, yeah, sure. So 
move the briefcase of crime scene Polaroids. Turn on Celine Dion to make sure it stayed, you know, like. Uh, yeah. Uh, what, what, what's, what am I thinking of? Um, it's all coming back, all coming back to me now. There were flashes of light. So anyway, we're driving down the hill. And I also realized how much it sucks to be like a taxi driver, a Lyft driver. Just like having someone driving around the back of your car, you feel like this intense, um, like, uh, status discrepancy. Like I felt like, like suddenly I felt like I was these people's like, you know, servant or something. So anyway, I'm like, oh, what are you you guys on spring break or whatever? They're like, yeah, sure. They're like, well, you know, what are you doing? I was like, "Ah, I'm just kind of working on a little project, like. I'm trying to be kind of coy. Like, I don't really want to tell them why I'm there because I already look super scary. And the whole time <laughs> I've been driving up on this trip, like, I'm thinking... So you don't, just, you don't want to say the word Zodiac Killer. Yeah, exactly. So in my head, I'm the hero of this story, right? right. I'm the, the crack investigator who is on the hunt, right? Yeah. And so I'm driving them down this hill and they're like, so what's the writing part? I was like, ah, it's kind of like a true crime thing. And then they're like, well, what? And I was like, you guys ever heard of the Zodiac Killer? <laughs> and you said it like that. Yeah. Well, maybe not. But and then you slammed like, no. on the brakes yeah. and did like a really one of those amazing like cinematic slides of your car at 90 degrees to the road, just <laughs> skidding down the highway. Well, the thing is, I drive really fast, but exactly. I don't really notice I'm driving fast because I'm used to just driving fast. And we're and and when you're driving up Mount Diablo or any type of like mountain pass like that, it's that's crazy. It's scary. And no. so one girl's like, "Can you slow down, please?" I was like, "Oh shit, sorry." And so they're like, Jeez. one of the other girls is like, "Oh well, you know, what's the deal with Zodiac?" And I was like, "Well," and I kind of went in, you know, you know, there was he would target young girls at. Like, <laughs> it's like you asked. I did parks like young girls parked this. in parks who you know, maybe were uh, uh, shouldn't have been out that late. Out, you know, wow. <laughs> I didn't say it like that. I was like, well, no, I know, but you we asked, targeted these lovers on Lovers yeah, Lane. You asked the question. You answered the question you were asking. And he sent these so. these codes, and they've cracked some of them, but not all of them. And one of them was related to a bomb. And he said he planted a bomb. And uh, there's this map, and I like had the map in my little briefcase. There's this map, and it points to Mount Diablo, and you solve the code. It shows you where the bomb is. And so one of the girls is like, well, did they ever figure out where the bomb is? And then I go, well, I think it actually might be on the mountain. And they're like, <laughs> what? And they're like, well, he wrote something about school buses. And you know what this bu- this road was called back in the day was school, school bus, bus road. road. Yes. yes. And then one of the girls like, you could just let us out over here. <laughs> on school bus road. Smart move, lady. Well, there was like some, I don't think it, they said they were at the bottom. But then they were just like, oh, can you let us out over here? It was like an area where there's some other cars. And I was like. Yeah, sure. And so then I realized, like, I'm not the hero in this, my little story here. I'm the creepy old guy that's like, you've never heard the story. Of the story. You yeah. know, like, anytime there's, like, a horror movie, like, the guy at the gas station's like, Shh, you've but never heard of Jason Voorhees. Right. But, like, in the cult following of the movie, you're the most important character because you only have, like, one or two lines, but it sets up this entire subplot. Right. So that would have been your character. So you wouldn't... You know, you're not the hero. You're not even the main event. The story's about yeah. these girls going off and like probably getting killed by the Zodiac yeah, killer. You're right. They're, because it's like you tell they're asking you direct probably questions. Probably getting killed. You're not, you picked up people who asked for a ride. Yes. You're answering questions very perspicacious with your words. You're saying as little as possible. I'm they working keep asking on a project. You, yeah. Right. You keep ask, They keep asking you more and more questions. You're just answering them directly. You So you just blatantly tell them about this thing. 
that maybe they didn't know. They probably don't know it's from the 60s. Right. And then they asked to be dropped off in the exact same place where this has happened because you've told them. And so it's like this irrational fear where in retrospect, the people are like, yeah, that was the dumbest thing ever. But you have no control over it. It's that irrationality of fear in the moment all these reasons that might not actually come into your mind. Mm. And so they're gay. Basically they're not, you know, knowing they're not psychopaths. They're not knowingly asking like, Oh, I want to take part in this fucking killing and try to kill no, the killer. Nice That's what I'm saying. So it's that it's just that yeah. fear builds up. You're like, Holy shit, let us out. But in retrospect, they're like, why the hell did we get out? So the story is, if you want that to take guy it, clearly wasn't the Zodiac killer. The guy was 35 years old. Exactly. But they got let out in the Zodiac killer's territory. And now the movie is about <laughs> them running for running their lives. The and then yeah, you they would have to... been safe with me. I would have just taken them to my That's friend what the point house. Is. So the movie is actually a love story. It's about them trying to find you mm. again, because you're like, he <laughs> must have thought twice about coming back to save us. Like one of them gets convinced that you are the hero and that you're trying to find them so they're like you know so they've spent the last 20 minutes off road like let's not get anywhere near just roads. wandering around wandering around they're like let's actually go back to the road because what if he's looking for us i love him and it becomes this like really really heartfelt just nice. trashy romance then they well then they, then they would find me i'm dead and i have the zodiac oh, yeah. symbol scrawled on my chest yeah. or something oh shit oh yes damn i wish that had happened and you're what? dismembered <laughs> Yeah, Maybe. What? Is this going to be like a softcore porn? You have to be dismembered. Like, let's go find his cutoff weenie. <laughs> Zodiac 2, dismembered. No, Mr. Johnson. The story of Mr. Johnson. Have they misremembered his misgendered, misbembered, yeah. dismembered, mismember? So anyway, I love this story because I love telling the story because it's just funny. It's hilarious. But the second element that I like is that clearly, well, I'd at least like to think that they've also dined on that story many a time. Like, how was your trip? Oh my god, guy. Because nothing interesting happened. You, wait, that assumes wait, so your your belief is that they survived. <laughs> oh yeah, no way. Right. Those <laughs> those girls are dead. Continue. They fucking zodiac killed those. No, girls. but what what do you what do you imagine them? Saying? No, I just imagine how was your trip? I mean, I think they were at Berkeley students or something. Like, how was your trip? Oh my god. I think we got stopped yeah. by the zodiac. Yeah, and they're like, Why did you not come to our party last night? How how was your trip? We, like, we had a walk home. And you know the way people yeah. are like like their the Zodiac from, killer picked us up and their friend's like, we from 1968, you're an idiot. We Yeah, the, the story went from this creepy guy picked us up in his <laughs> Jetta to the uh, the Zodiac killer tried to drive us off the road in our in his Carmen Ghia. And exactly. We escaped by the hair. But of luckily, our... one of their friends back home is like, that's from the 60s. That person is long person dead. Was, and that you're crazy. Was not alive. Oh, then she says you're crazy. Rips open one of their jackets and finds explosives strapped to her. Oh, shit. She this becomes like bomb. a diehard fucking movie at this point. Damn. I should have finished that project. The, the thing is, I got so grossed out during that. Is it called the Nithia Project? No, no. <laughs> I'm just kidding. So I got grossed out because I figured, okay, we know this guy was like Navy and... Because he bought his boots, like the boots that had the put footprints at the crime scenes were like, you could only buy these boots on a specific military base because they were wing walkers for like mm -hmm. walking on the wings of planes. And he had all this code training, but he wasn't quite good at it. So like, because he was sort of an amateur, but he was, so he's probably had some mild Navy training. So oh, wow. I started going through, like, I signed up for one of those, like, Find your old pals from the Navy or the Army things. And I started oh, wow. going through old records that I could find. And I started looking at these guys' faces that like were in Vallejo and Benicia at the time. Who wow. I looked at people who had worked. But the thing is, like, 
okay, I have a list of guys that might be the yeah. like, And I'm looking, I'm like, these people have families. Like, odds are none of these guys are the Zodiac. You oh, because is this considered one of the unsolved serial Yeah, we don't films? know who he was. We don't know who oh, he was. Oh, but this, he could still be alive. Because if he was yeah. in his tw- 18, 19, or 30 even. Potentially, yeah. I think If he was dead, between 50, yeah. probably between 18 and 34, he still could be alive today. Yeah. Wow. I just assume that's true. That wasn't that long ago. Yeah. Wow. So, I mean, most circles are like 30 to 40. So, like, you know, let's say he was 40 years old in 1968. Like, he'd be pretty, pretty fucking old. Now. Yeah. So, um, unless he's just one of those people that just is seven standard deviations away from the norm, in which a lot of times and at any point in history, just no one has those qualities. Yeah. So maybe he did start super early and he's actually like a greeter at Walmart right now. Like directing traffic <laughs> I mean, and like that... running the fucking economy. Damn. The Zodiac Killer is running the economy. Well, he's a maybe he's at the guy working at the greeter at Walmart. Yes, the Zodiac Killer is welcoming America into its arms every morning as a Damn. greeter at Walmart from 6 to that's, noon. That's kind of beautiful. Yeah. And only three college girls from UC Berkeley can find out. Exactly. They're going crazy. This this guy's super nice. He's totally reformed his ways. Yeah, what if those girls have like, now they, they've... What if they go out and solve the Zodiac case? That's what the... Yeah, so they solve it. They pinpoint this guy. Like, yeah. he's a fucking... Wa- and they go and do a fucking killing spree at a Walmart. And that's the they, movie. And then, oh, then they, be, they the become copycat, copycats yes, as, Zodiacs. Well, no, but but they become copycat Zodiacs, but after a mass shooting at a Walmart. Oh, damn. So they kill like 120 people, but then go into the <laughs> sniper fucking serial killer mode. Oh, man, your mind is great. Yeah, well, it's what's nice is just like quickly riffing <laughs> on these ideas, but never doing anything with them ever. See, I'm got I never got to, my my inside jobs course. I've always wanted to do a Zodiac podcast with them, um, but you know, that just doesn't seem to happen. Like oh, I wanted I to finish you? the oh, Zodiac God. project, and I never did. So I'm glad we're talking about this today. But just to close out that thought, I kind of yes. got grossed out because I'm like, what am I going to do? Just like there's a lot of guys on the internet who are like, this is my, I I like this guy for it. And they'll have their own suspect. Yes, yes. And those people are really sad and they're probably ruining people's life. And yes. so I was just like, I have to back out of this case. Channeling, for a while. channeling of an imagined past or future yeah. into the reality is very dangerous. So this author from the Bay Area, Jarrett Kobeck, he actually is the, cl- I think if anybody who has like a suspect has figured out, it's probably him. He wrote these two great books. He was just writing a book about the Zodiac Killer and, oh, don't worry. It's just fun to watch. As he oh, okay. <laughs> and he accidentally might have found out who the Zodiac was because somebody figured out, um, I forget what her real name is, but her, her name in the Zodiac forums is Tahoe 27. And uh, Catherine Zeta-Jones. Catherine Zeta-Jones. Yes. Yeah, I know that screen name. Yeah. And uh, yeah, Tahoe 27. She figured out that one of the Zodiac letters references a very specific comic book. Hmm. And oh, but shit. it was a comic book from like ten years before the letter was written. Wow. And the thing is, like nowadays, everybody has wow. a lot of people read comics. You go to Barnes and Noble, you get a trade paperback of Watchmen, right? Yeah, I or, mean, I'm looking at it right now, watching. Yes, me, and I'm like, who watches the Watchmen? I'm <laughs> exactly, scared out of my mind. Or you can just get it on your iPad. There's plenty of places. Oof. But back in the day, no. We one... should give away an iPad to a listener. I have a broken <laughs> iPad. All right, uh, email me at. Uh, Mr. Man Strikes Back at Yahoo.com and I will send you a broken iPad. So this guy realized, so back in the day, no one had back issues of comic books. People just threw them away. Yeah. No one saved comics. They were 
they, no one knew that they were going to be worth Someone's anything. Someone's grandmother did it in an attic. Yeah, they were worthless or they were thrown away. So the only way that people had back issues of comics was if they connected with other people. Um, and usually it was through zines. What is that? Is that a... Like fanzines. Oh, is that are those conventions? Well, like, remember zines like back in the... It's kind of before our time, but like there'd be like punk rock zines. It was like before blogs, like people would like make photocopy magazines and share them and send oh, them Oh, it was just they were kind of different. It was this little hierarchy, let's say, between like, well, that's an official magazine. It's just a this zine. is a zine. Yeah, it's exactly. lower quality where you're like, it's also more sustainable. I'm not changing the climate and ruining it's people's an, lives. Exactly. It's an old school <laughs> nerd thing. Like hella 60s, It's like 70s. a kibbutznik type A hundred percent. I love it. And so basically, if you were someone who had a back issue of comics, you were probably trading through zines. It's amazing. So this guy, and he was like, okay, at that time, there was only like, 5,000 people who were comic book back issue comic book collectors yeah. in the country. How many of them would have been in the Bay Area and probably worked at a military, worked at a naval facility? <laughs> so, this dude just Googled fanzines, fanzines Vallejo, fanzines. Okay, found a guy who like was like a dude who had lots of guns and knives who printed codes and ciphers. Inside wow. of zines, who published, uh, who the bomb diagrams that Zodiac had sent matched something that this guy had also read. Like basically everything that the Zodiac did, wow. this guy did. Like the lake he loved puzzles. It sounded like exactly the wow. Lake Berryessa killing with the knives. He was at it where he the Zodiac is wearing a out. giant hood. Zodiac was wearing like this giant hood. But uh, no one, like, the only two people who would make costumes like that, mm -hmm. but you couldn't just go online and buy costumes, were people who did Renaissance fairs. There was a Renaissance fair that he was at, like, that day. And, like, his daughter was like, he didn't do this at all. What are you talking about? And then the daughter read the book, and she was like, oh, shit. The night that the first killing happened, my dad, like, accused me of being a slut and, like, hit me, and then he, like, left the house. Oh, my God. And then that night, two, like, people who were, like, in a lover's lane got murdered. That's insane. In her in their town, so like it's pretty much. So the guy was just like, "Look, I didn't try to find the zodiac. I wow. just searched Vanzines Vallejo." But like, he's just like statistically, it's improbable that it would be anybody else but this guy. Wow. So we're getting closer to figure. We're this pretty out. close. They they finally during the pandemic, some French dudes solved the solved the last big cipher, but no one has solved that bomb cipher. Is it yet. to the point where it's like? People basically agree who it is, but it's like, who's going to point the finger? Like, um, I don't want to ruin someone's life who's 75 or 80. No, that guy's dead. The oh. guy that this book's about. It's a really interesting book. There's two books, Motor Spirit, which is just, if you're interested in the Bay Area in the late 60s, early 70s, it's an incredible book. I recommend it. Yeah. And then the next one is How to Find Zodiac, which is just his journey writing the book wow. and accidentally probably solving the case. That's amazing. And... Uh, like the thing is, like I was like, is this a hoax? Is this a prank? Because so many things have turned out to be bullshit or hoaxes. So I went on LinkedIn and I found this guy who he's in England. He's a podcaster and author. He is probably the, I would say the ex, the most, the premier expert on the Zodiac, probably in the world. There's one, other, there's two or three other guys who might know mm. more than this guy, but this guy is pretty authoritative. And I messaged him on LinkedIn. I was like. He works for the post office in England. Oh, that's so he's, definitely authoritative. He's all, but so, so a bunch of the evidence about the Zodiac is wow. like, is envelopes 
and stamps. Wow. So this guy's like covering. You're talking about oh, well, let's, we should go deep into the pens. Like people have found the calligraphy you're stores that had the traced paper. it to England. No, 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 no. Oh, he was just saying sorry. this guy's like a he's a post office guy, so he's just an expert. in England. He's no. in England, but it's now, yeah, this wow. this guy. So I, I messaged okay. him and I said, hey, what's up with Kobeck's book? Is this legit? Is this a hoax? Is this guy misleading us? And he said, I've been talking to Kobeck. It's I won't I don't want to say anything yet, but it's the closest I've ever seen. Wow. And when you exchange this information, is this over email? Did you say, "Can I call you"? I, I want to. The, the, how did you the English guy? Learn, yeah, how did I, you just email, I just I just an email. On, on how LinkedIn. soon after you sent the email did he write back? It fucking immediately. Are you kidding me? This I guy bet. doesn't do like, anything. He's just, he's just doing, No, this is what he's doing all day. People, waiting for people. He has. Could he, I? Literally has zero connections on on LinkedIn. <laughs> well, because LinkedIn is not a place to meet up to talk no, about if you're a the post Zodiac office killer. guy who's He's, an expert in the Zodiac. Yeah, it's a thing he doesn't do in his life. He accidentally he, created the account when someone invited him. Exactly. He doesn't want to monetize this. He just loves it for the thrill of it. Yeah. So can I ask, though, we don't yeah. have to talk about it today. We can continue on the Zodiac killer. But if you want to do something similar, you're one of the foremost, you run one of the foremost sites on the JFK I don't know, do we call it the killing assassination? I don't even know. Could you, at some point, I think you should give like a nice summary of what the current like major belief pockets are and then also a little editorial on which one is the right one. Oh, interesting. Well, I mean, I think the there's the government explanation, which is it was Oswald, he did it alone. Then there's the, there's the sort of... Uh, and when you say government, was this released the, by the executive branch the executive there is it's called the warren commission report but it's actually like the president's commission on the assassination of jfk something like yeah. that it was headed up by earl warren but it was ordered president johnson ordered earl warren yes to do it so it's basically an executive order made the chief justice on a bunch of right along ass fucking report so then what said, i'm asking is what did the because the president is going to talk about this in like They'll want to talk yes. about it. So, in so later what was years, their headliner? Because they're not going to give 30 pages. He said, I agree with them 100%. It was lone gunman, no so other So the president's one-sentence synopsis is it was a lone gunman. Yes. Interesting. But, so the government. But then he, many he goes on TV with Walter Cronkite, and he's like, cameras are off, right? I'm still not convinced. It, there might you have been those... international connections. Oh, but then some people say, actually, he was pretending that it was... He, he was saying that to pretend it was the Russians and the Cubans to cover up the fact that it was actually him and the mafia and the CIA. So then there's some stuff where like he, I say, oh my God, he admitted it might have been a conspiracy. But some people are like, no, no, no. He admitting it's part of the conspiracy is part of the conspiracy. So is it partly that, let's say, let's say it was Lee Harvey Oswald. There's still a lot of different groups that are either going to want to take credit or deflect. Yeah. And so is it still a question of, you know, there's still people who say it wasn't even him, but let's assume yeah. that it is. There's still multiple layers just to that side. Yes. Because it's like, well, so can the CIA... Did someone tell him to do it? Right. Was he actually one of their operatives? Because what we do know, obviously, for a fact, is that they did have operatives. They know who, they knew but who he was. was Lee Harvey Oswald one of their operatives, or did they just take credit for it because they wanted to have mission success, which is assassinate our own president? <laughs> I, I mean... Because he's a... Because he, what they're basically saying is if it's CIA and it's supposed to be international and it's creation after the 50s yeah they're basically saying well this guy's committed treason so yes. we need to take him out take as him a out. treasonous so he is a foreigner even though he's our president so people are like yeah but he they assassinated president like but if you believe that that person is a is committing treason whether whether you're right or wrong you go you to the powers that you have yeah. at your disposal 
to rectify that. The way you rectify that if you're at the CIA is it assassinate. As my friend John Darden has said many times on this podcast, the CIA and the military industrial complex thought JFK was a traitor, full stop. So there's the people who think that uh, the CIA, the FBI, Mm, and the mafia all teamed up to get rid of him because they just thought he was a traitor. Yeah. Basically, can we we also assume that there were multiple different groups within either the CIA, FBI, these others working on and not even knowing that they were doing it, right? Because that's that's how the that's that's how the the CIA was organized, right? That's the only way you could do it. Exactly. You had like maybe what, like hundreds of cells or fifty working on this one thing. Impossible to say, but like, but say it. John talks about expert. John talks about how like there was probably multiple teams on the ground in Dallas, which I agree with. There might have been people who were like working together or there might have been people who hated each other who were both trying to kill JFK. Like, and what was the timeline? Like, is it, were there at a lot of the stops for months or was it longer? Were there setups, but didn't actually go yes. through with it? Yes. So it was every That's stop. The it crazy happened thing. to be Dallas. That's the crazy thing. So wow. my, Miami, William Somerset is this uh, FBI informant. He's talking to this guy, um, Joseph Miltier, who was like a Bircher, like hardcore, right wing guy and he says you know Ken, and he said on a tape this tape's on my website the, the recording Kennedy is a marked man he someone will take him out in a uh, from an office bin building window with a high powered rifle they'll pick somebody up within an wow. hour of the yeah. event to throw this to throw the stink off from the actual perpetrators and that's how we'll do it Kennedy's yeah. a marked man lays out the whole thing so then they call off the trip to Miami. Then they're going to wow. go to Chicago like, a couple months later. Turns out there's this disaffected former soldier. He was right wing as opposed to Oswald, who was super left wing. And uh, his name was Thomas Thomas Arthur Valley. And they found him. He had a bunch of rifle. He had a bunch of ammunition and a rifle and stuff. He worked in a building right on Kennedy's parade route wow and then they canceled the trip and said kennedy was sick so this one guy um he was a disaffect say that again disaffected former soldier just like oswald but oswald was a hardcore left-wing guy yeah whereas this guy was a hardcore right-wing guy or you could think if oswald's a spy he's pretending to be a hardcore left-wing guy and like a slingshot hardcore either direction slings you back to to killing a president president. (laughs) exactly it's a slingshot effect really so that guy abraham bolden uh, there is like everyone was, he was uh, a, did he go by Avram Avram Gold uh, Bolden he was a soup he was a I think we should let her in just let her in let's put the food somewhere else and then yeah let that's a great idea because that's really all it's worth and we're not eating it come here Penny hey Penny Hardaway So Abraham Bolden was the first black Secret Service man to serve on the presidential detail. And Kennedy, either because he was anti-racist or because he wanted to look anti-racist, put him on the detail because he wanted to show, I trust a black man to protect me. This was uh, Abraham. Okay. So Bolden gets so much racism thrown at him 
that he quits the detail. So he's working in Chicago. He's involved with like calling in the call to say there's this guy, Arthur Valley, who is trying to kill the president. They put him in jail on trumped up charges of taking a bribe. There was like a mistrial. It was clearly when you say they who put him in jail. Uh, I don't know. The, 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 the municipal. Uh, I think it was um, police. Like well, I think police? it was probably federal charges. Oh, so he's about to a it was federal de- you know holding. It was definitely federal charges. Okay, so held in a federal penitentiary. And I know it was federal charges because he was recently. He didn't need to be part. I think he was pardoned, even though he'd already served his time and got let out. But Biden did pardon him. It's like, wow. Okay. It's like the one thing. I mean, I voted for Biden, but it's like the one thing where I'm like fucking proud that I voted for him is that he. Someone on his team knew, like, we got to have justice for this guy who basically wow. foiled a plan against. So when you ask those questions, were there other teams and other plans? Like, I don't know for sure, but it sure as hell looks like it, right? Wow, yeah. Um. So, yeah. So there's, and then there's the people who think that there he wasn't involved at all. There was, like, these other shooters. Some people say, like, he was paid or talked in to shoot them by the left or the right or whatever. Some people say that he was picked up by David Ferry when he was a child as part of the civil air patrol. And that he had been basically like trained his whole life for this. That's just great about words. You can just spin them into any fabric, any history you want. And there's a picture of him with Dave Ferry and Dave Ferry was like died mysteriously and all this kind of stuff. So I don't know. What are the major prevail? So now, obviously, conspiracy theories have gotten crazier. And I love researching Kennedy assassination and Zodiac because, like, everyone loves true crime. Zodiac, to me, other than, well, Jack the Ripper is the original, like, true crime crime obsession. But, like, the modern true crime that we think of, like, the sort of, like, Batmanization of true crime where it's, like, there's ciphers and maps and shit. You're like, Like, whoa. There's there's a there's a re- it's not a mistake that the Riddler in the new version of Batman is basically a rip off of the Zodiac and they completely and the director's like yeah it's the Zodiac it's, um, yeah like and then you know JFK in that era where everyone's obsessed with the conspiracy theories like JFK is the ground zero original Casablanca of conspiracy theories wow so now people have returned to this with modern sensibilities so um, right because it's like the past. All of our other past presidential assassinations were at a time where there's just far less information that's written at yeah. people's disposal. And so people can substantiate minor claims that, that they then toss up it into a entire tapestry of like this whole story. And it started with a grain of truth, but also it's like, but you're just making up a lot of stuff at some point. Yeah. But there was just, there's just so much paperwork out there. Yeah. Well, a lot of it's been destroyed. And uh, yeah, but imagine like back at, uh, say Lincoln's time there's not a whole lot of stuff oh, paper yeah. from that's what I mean like there's no film there's footage there's no other assassination this big with so much written yeah. material to there's no at. film footage of, of uh, Abraham Lincoln getting assassinated that's not true in high school I filmed the assassination <laughs> with my friend I'm I serious. knew you would bring we this up we had a chase scene in a Volvo station wagon <laughs> I was I planned I directed and started historically it. accurate yes and I had my friends drive I was the I did the running I didn't play Lincoln because I wasn't tall enough but I did the running part because my friends were messing it up. So I had them drive and I did the running scene of wow. being running away. Because I think we might have twisted it on it where Lincoln actually did the assassination or something. He was running away. But anyway, 
We do have live video footage, and wow. I okay. actually have it in the archives. You are closer to Andy Kaufman than you than you know. So you know a- Andy Kaufman. So there's like this old footage from the 1900s, like early film days, that someone recreated the Kennedy assa- or I'm sorry, the Lincoln assassination. Hey, it might have even been yours. Wow, that's incredible. And it's I so, bet a lot of people have done this since it's handheld creepy, cameras. It's creepy, but it looks like it looks like it could be. Real. There's no film cameras like in 1865 or 1864. That's you don't know that for a fact. You can't prove that. 1865. 1865. Yeah, 1865. So, but Andy Kaufman <laughs> took some of this old footage and he like was doing a comedy show and he he's like, we have uncovered footage of the assassination of Abraham Lincoln. I know I'm a comedian, but I think this is really important. Yeah. So he plays this film and like very somber and everyone's like, oh, damn. And he doesn't go, gotcha. He's like, thank you very much. Good night. Well, <laughs> like, the gotcha was that he didn't say it. He didn't say anything. So those Maybe people, he actually did really believe it. You never know with these people. Uh, that's the beauty, I guess. So did you poison my wine? Yeah. Oh, it's, sweet. It's White Claw. Yeah. I didn't poison your wine. I just gave you a poison called White Claw. Yes. Thank you. It is It is like a claw. It is vicious. But thank you. Um. So that's interesting. Yeah. Andy Kaufman, I've seen. It's brilliant stuff, I must say. Yeah. I really love it. Like, you know, different things speak to different people. And so I'm not trying to convert anyone. There's plenty of people in my life that have no interest in watching it. But for me personally, I found everything just actually very well, touching. Yeah. I mean, there's like... Look, you have there's there's stand-up comedians like um Brian Regan who uh you know he'll do you know Brian Regan will do things like he'll say like oh I hate people talking on a cell phone cuz they're just going I think I'm more important than I really am. <laughs> and like, you're laughing at me doing a bad impression. Like, that's funny. Yeah, he's just like, everyone knows that guy who's talking it's on a phone true. and thinks he's really important. Yeah. He's it's do- like he's- the Charlie Brownification of life. It's like, yeah. it doesn't matter what they're saying, this is what they're saying. And he's, and he's saying, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and he just has a funny face and he says it funny. And my mom loves Brian Regan. That's hilarious. And I, I like, to me, Brian Regan is like cheese pizza. Mm. We're like it's not bad. In it's fact, always it's, accessible. It's tasty. Yeah. Like I'll eat it, but like you never. Uh, sometimes you order certain topping combos, and you're like, you regret it. You're like, why did I do yeah. that? Why did I just get cheese? And cheese then is always a safe bet. Someone like, um, uh, let's say, uh, uh, Anthony Jeselnik. God, tell me who that is. You know, he'll be. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a lot of contemporary knowledge. He's right? more like he's more like a raw steak. You know, mm, I got you. Uh, and and then you get someone like um, Andy Kaufman, and it's like uh, it, it's, uh, it's like mutton. Pa- it's like mutton or a weird pate. Mutton boiled for four or days. What's it called uh, when you eat the frogs or snails rather? Oh, escargot. It's like escargot, where it's like a very specific yes. thing. It's like not really good, yeah. but you're like. It's the experience. It's the experience. Yeah. It's like, the I'm word. Not laughing. What are you doing? Escago. And you're like, like that's all it is. It's like the word. Brian Regan has made me laugh many times, just like how McDonald's French fries have made me go, mmm, many I, times. Oh my God, they're so good. But uh, like Andy Kaufman goes, like, makes me go, whoa. Yeah, he is. He's got a. It's thoughtful. Like at humor, I do believe in the hierarchy of humor. And yeah. there is stuff where if it's funny the fifth time then it's better than the thing that's funny the first time i was just thinking about that type of humor because i was thinking about i was thinking about mr show 
and then also early um, Upright Citizens Brigade, like the the sketches that they did that later later yes. became the show. Yes, and they're very much of like a they'll start with a joke that's like not really that funny. Like I'm yes. gonna put pennies in my butt. Yeah, I can't remember if that. I think that's Upright Citizens Brigade. I believe it. That sounds like something where if I had it's a like guess. It's like the dumbest, like, I'm putting pennies in my yeah. butt. And then they do it, like, the first time, you're like, uh-huh, okay, whatever. That's not that funny. They'll not come back. And then they do it, like, three times. And you're like, uh-huh, okay. And then it gets to a point where, like, they That's... have bludgeoned you. They bludgeon you with the joke. Like, the idea that you would commit to doing the pennies in your butt joke, like, a hundred times. That's by the so end, funny. you're like, it's, it's not even, like, it's like... Okay, like Josh loves that kind of music. Where it's like, bah, 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 oh. bah, bah, yes. Like this doesn't sound good, but like it is impressive that someone can hit a drum. Physically that hard. impressive, I agree. <laughs> so it's like on the on the ear strike plate drum, it feels like noise. Right. So it's like it's just it's practically impressive that you would push this joke on me so hard. Yes, but I I, agree. I, I, I can't say I like. You, you know what's crazy? I never heard of Upset Right Citizens Brigade when I was very young and started making prank phone well, calls. Well, when you were very young, it probably didn't exist yet. No, didn't they start in the... 90s, probably. Oh. So yeah, before Upright Citizens Brigade, I think it was a common joke amongst young boys making prank calls because I remember calling for quarters for my butt. <laughs> so there's pennies in your butt. Like I bet there was tons of groups, uh, primarily boys, some girls, obviously, but I, I would guess more boys and girls making prank calls, asking for different monetary denominations for their butt. Because it's it's a clean joke, but it's kind of dirty, but it's the butt, so you never get in trouble. Like, if you say any other body part, I'm not going to say it on the air because this is a family show. But, like, the butt, the butt, <laughs> you can always, you can always get away with the butt as a, as a family-friendly joke. Every other part that we cover up with clothes, you cannot. Right. That's a good point. So I think a lot, and that's crazy that the Upright Sins Brigade spun that into an entire show that became wildly hilarious. That's yeah. great. Well, that's the thing is like UCB, Mr. Show, that stuff will always be better than SNL. But like the, yes. but like it something that like, ra- yeah, raunchy as hell. When I, you know, took classes at SNL, like, I'm not sorry, SNL. When I took classes at, uh, at Upright Citizens Brigade in New York, like there would always be the people who would go like, oh, UCB, yeah, you know, SNL sucks. But then everyone at UCB also was trying to get to on get, it. Yeah, it you sucks, know? but I'll make it better. Right. It's that old narcissism. And, and I think the difference is like, <laughs> so the UCB kids, like originally they did these shows in New York and they would work these sketches like year after year for a long time. And then they got an MTV show yeah. or Comedy Central. Yes. And then they did... The TV version yes. of it. Same. Th- I'm pretty sure Kids in the Hall is probably the same way. Yes. Uh, Whitest kids you know. Like so, a lot of these these uh, Sunshine Boys, a lot of those guys, I think probably came out of other UCB classes. Oh, for sure. So like, they would spend years honing these. Whereas like SNL, oh, yeah. it's like, all right, hey, what's funny this week? Go yeah. try it and do it for an hour. But and a half. I would say at the level of television in the U.S. When you're on a major network, not a public access. Yeah. Even, at least then, the worst was still very impressive. Like, <laughs> yeah. because you're saying it takes, like, spinning up ideas is easy. But spending years honing oh, it into yeah, a craft yeah. and then into a well-structured show that seems chaotic and irreverent, but it's structured. Like you said, it was like a 15-year process. Yeah. So it's like, 
are you going to make a 15-year commitment on the air right now, or should we just leave these ideas where they no. lie? That's, that's, <laughs> that's a I, lot I of always, work. I always preferred... Um, ideas. Well, I always preferred doing improv over sketch. Yes. Because my joke was always like, I want to spend less time in the theater than the audience. Oh, because you can get there late. Or you can always, it's like, sorry, I'm running late. Just going to improv it here. And everyone's like, oh, that's so okay. funny. It's an so, insider okay. joke. So the house opens at 7. Yes. Curtains at 7.30. So you've got people who have been there since 6.58 trying They're to like, get a good seat. Let's just make sure we're not late. And if I get there at 7.25, then I then the people who were there at 6.58. You get there at 7.31. I can get there at 7.30. No, and your shtick is you come late to the improv and you're like, don't worry. I'll just do, I'll just improv it. And everyone's <laughs> yes. like, that's so funny. Lee's the funniest. He's always late and says, oh, I'll yeah. just improv. And it's an improv show. He's the best. Improv is like pate, like either love it or, or escargot. Exactly. Rather. So you, you either would love be... it or like my wife, she says like, I don't like improv because I also don't like watching people practice. <sighs> but it's also like, okay, watching, <laughs> wa- okay, watching some like band play the same song they played it's every true. night is it's... not as interesting as going to a jazz club and watching people. right because sometimes people are like if you can't even go the one extra step and like take your first thing that comes to mind and at least think about it once more in your life but i mean if you're bad, like i don't want to see you're bad like exactly I, I, I don't know like look i don't need to ask my own d but like where, wherever I, I didn't make it very far at improv but wherever i was i was usually the best one exactly because you <laughs> saw it improv so, isn't about that hours about the other 23 hours of the day getting ready for that one hour right and you well, knew that more than other people i think that my my problem was that i once i just once i was doing improv and stand-up at the same time Oof, i would just try tough. to do like when i was doing improv i was just trying like, to practice i was just trying to fake i was just making up jokes and it didn't work right i mean it was Fine, but like, don't lot. But was it bad? Later, when I went to New York and like did some more training, and it was more about it was like, don't be funny, just like yeah. tell a story. Where are you? What are you doing? What's going on? Yeah, then I got, the I got better. Yeah, it's situational. You know, yeah, that's a good point. Like, if you're going into improv practicing stand up, it's gonna suck. Yeah, yeah, that's and you learn that the hard way. Yeah, to never let it get that far. Just you and Kelly Clarkson together. Right, but I'm just I'm too old now to like it was. It's really honestly the thing I'm probably the best at, but it's just a thing that makes no money. And but it's a thing where let's say I just remember always going to sh- like when I was in my twenties, going to shows, and they'd be like, "Oh, these guys are coming; they're really good." And there were guys that were like thirty two, and I'd be like, this "Imagine guy's for disgustingly a second, old." Imagine for a second you're in your sixties. Your kids have left the house a little while ago. Yeah, I'm getting back into it. You're, you're right. probably gonna go back to like most days. You're like, "What the fuck am I gonna do?" One day I'm gonna be like, "Let me just." Go you know how many again. when millennials and when you're not retired, gonna leave. You're gonna go out to drinks afterwards. You're gonna come home the next morning. How many retirement home improv teams will there be by the time our generation retires? Well, I think it comes down to people starting them. So if we each agree to start one, they'll at least be two. (laughs) Yeah. If you're listening, agree to start one or to find someone to start one. Also, like, I stopped doing improv because, like, we're just pot, like, we just podcast. Because, like, when I would do improv shows, like, I'd be like, oh, this is fun, but I'd much rather just be talking about the Kennedy assassination. You want, and you want it recorded so you can yeah. monetize it. Oh, yeah. We're really making money off this. Well, we can monetize it later. See, it's a prop piece of property. It's recorded. Ben and I have achieved the dream of doing something to make enough money that we can pursue our artistic efforts without having to worry if they'll make money exactly and sometimes what i say to myself before i go to work at a day that i just don't want to be there i say i'm going to channel my inner lee 
What role? You, he once said to me many yeah. times, you got you're acting, so you got to choose each day. The greatest part about the desk job is you got to choose who you're going to be each day. So on days that start out especially bad, I'm like, I got to channel, channel my inner Damn. Lee. Because it's those days when you got a lot of conversations, and if you break in one and then the other ones cascade, it's a waterfall. You have HR, you got a lot of follow up. So it's best <laughs> to just avoid them. So if you go in with just enough mental agility and strength, you can bite your tongue and he, and say whatever your quip is. Mine is just okay. Acknowledge and move on. Don't do silence. Silence scares people. I was told that by many people enough time drum like especially at a just strip say club. Something. If you go to no, a strip especially club, at a workplace, you sit in the front row and you're been. silent. You silent one get gets kicked out as yes. opposed to the dude the gangbanger in the back who's going crack 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 throwing throwing money in you know, this I need to write a book because so many times in my life people will be like, "Well, you know, as Lee always said, or you know, someone will come back to me with some shit that I said just in a in a manic fugue state and be like, "I've been manic living fugue." I, I've I been, love that. I've been living my my I've been living my uh, uh, career. I've been operating my career uh, based on these precepts set forth by Lee two and a half years ago in a manic fugue. Wow. And I'm like, manic and I'm like, folks. what are you talking about? I said that. Wow. So if we want like a quick interlude to another topic, I could yeah. tell 15 well called uh, dad jokes from someone. They cited all their things. It added up to over, they referenced over 850 and okay. told out 15. These are the best. These are the best. A lot of them are about timing, but sometimes what makes a dad joke a good dad joke is you just tell it like I'm doing, not in timing. So this one is the best one. Right, roll. You're in your tool shed and a friend points to one of your ladders and you say, that, that's my step ladder. I never knew my real ladder. Okay. <laughs> when you try to make, like the thing about what a dad joke is, Ben, is when I make a joke and it's not funny and... Because I'm a dad. It's like, oh, exactly. Yeah. Okay. To. All right. Keep going. Number 14. Um, do we want to do another one? Yeah. yeah. So a duck walks into a pharmacy and okay. says, give me some lip balm and put it on my bill. Uh-huh. That one. Oh, let's get a math reference because you love talking about, you love smart people, right? You're super obsessed with smart people. So you'll like this one. So this year's Fibonacci convention is going to be really special. Apparently... It's as big as the last two put together. Uh, the sequence. <laughs> yes, you remember Fibonacci? Yeah, I know the Fibonacci. <laughs> so is that good? That's a good one, right? All right, all right. These are terrible. Several so let's hours talk about later. Something else. Yeah. No. Um, yeah. What else is on your mind? So we were talking about um, Representative or City Council Member uh, Raman. Oh, is it Raman or Raman? Well, I just want to know. Like Amelia said that she's like was the first like liberal or progressive person to really like clean up shop on the City Council and like kind of try to bring in a new wave of leadership. She said she's very involved in uh, trying to help with the uh, people experiencing homelessness. So I don't know if you, you are more in tune with this stuff, whereas I'm more in tune with like what's going to happen on the next Ahsoka. So do you, Interesting. Okay. So, so I've followed LA very little over the last one year, more before that. So some of this might be outdated, but what it seemed like is that, even so she ran on that platform as we know a lot of everything from politician to investors are slippery they'll say one thing and do another i'm not saying a whole lot by saying that <laughs> yeah so, well but well, amelia was like wait to stick the... to her words is okay. my impression of her but our council 
is 15 people. So no one person who's junior and new can, can immediately within a year or two start changing things because that's just not how it works. And that, if it actually worked like that, it would be just, I guess you could call it a dictatorship. Yeah, it but shouldn't necessarily work like that, that one person comes exactly. in Exactly. So, But she has, at least as far as I little I followed, She's she the real stuck deal. to what she ran on. It doesn't mean that that's what's happening out of L.A. City. But from her as a single elected out of 15, she is sticking to it and not just acquiescing to whatever the norm is or whatever gets her more money. Nice. So it's little, you know. So, yeah, that was my impression. So, Great. yeah. Well, Amelia said, like, oh, I bet none of the rich people here know who she is. Otherwise, the <laughs> yeah. Because it did like we're uh, look. Uh, well, they will know who. It depends on how they're rich. If it's through a lot of LA activity, like people are rich in LA because of activities in maritime, in England, in sub-Saharan Africa, like everywhere. So, if they're making their money primarily I'm in still LA, trying to they'll get, know. Like, a read on where this money is coming from. Like, I, we should start. I mean, there's a lot of Hollywood guys. Spy network. There's a, oh. No, no, there's no. a lot of Hollywood okay. guys. Like. Uh, there's a certain person who produces like, look, there's one or two of the biggest uh, fantasy shows franchises out there. There's the there's the one of there's the Lord of the Thunder and there's the Game of the Bubba, and this guy does one of them, and so he's there. Then you got your reality TV people. Wow, they're there. Then um, then you know they'll, I'll see these like Israeli businessman guys. You know what I mean? Oh, for sure. These guys are sharp. You know, they're little, they're skinny, but like they don't seem like they take any shit and they got hot wires. Yeah, it's like one of you know the best I mean? places to network is on first class flights from either San Jose to Tel Aviv or yeah. Los Angeles to Tel Aviv. Don't do San Francisco. Okay. If you want to network, if you want a quiet, you sound like uh, Richard Nixon talking about the Bohemian Grove. If you're, if you're, Thank okay. you. The original podcaster, Richard Nixon. Uh, as these, you know what the Bohemian Grove is? Oh yeah. yeah. But tell our uh, give a quick little. Yeah, synopsis. the Bohemian Grove is this uh, like boys' club outside of San Francisco, up north in Northern California, and every year they have this festival at the Bohemian Grove where like all the presidents and like business guys and what have you show up and you know do those like weird you know little fun rituals that we all see and little fascist little fascist, fascist rituals. rituals if you want a reference point they do an episode we'll say oligarchy we'll give them that we don't say okay. the word people don't like the word fascist plutocracy yeah let's call it something nice uh, sounding in greek petite plutocracy <laughs> petite oligarchy so uh there's in the what's the house of cards the american house of cards they yes. do an episode where they're all at like a campsite and when did pacific tell our audience real quick when it started and who were some of the founding members Ooh, that i don't know i would assume like was pre- it nixon time or was no, it, it was before it had to be like pre it was kennedy time pre-depression that the bohemian oh, wow. grove started pre-depression I'll, well I'll all of you keep talking yeah so bohemian grove so Richard Nixon, so all the presidents get invited there. In fact, like there's footage of Bill Clinton being asked about it. And someone's like, where's the, where's the Bohemian, you ever been to the Bohemian Grove? It's some he big event. Has, yeah. And Bill Clinton's like, oh, is that that place where all those Republicans stand around naked together? <laughs> he's a, he's, dude, he is. I mean, he is. And then the, the yeah. guy heckling him. Wow. I mean, that's the thing. The, the, you're never going to win against, against Slick Willie. I think Bill's here. Oh, That's the hi. weirdest coincidence. He's like, I haven't talked to y'all in a while, so I don't really remember what I sound like. 
because in the morning handsome universe, Bill Clinton sometimes just slips into like panhandle trash. Wow. So, so real quick though, Bohemian Club, 1878. Oh, really? So even before. Okay. I think there was a, maybe a renaissance of it. In the so 60s. I guess I'm closer to it, but Price is Right rules. It's both one lose. of the things it's also known for is the place where the idea of like I, mean, I said pre-Great Depression, so I guess technically I was correct. <laughs> that Way. also could have been like 1000 BC. Pre the 1890s Depression. <laughs> like, yeah. Wow. Um, it was known, one of its most emblematic things is that it was the place where the two major political parties, the Democrat and Republican, would, would meet to hand select who would be their next nominee. Pretty much, yeah. So that was for decades, it was like that. When it was yeah. still very much done there. So, so it's, it's a place to be. But it's like the president, but they all have to diss on it. It's so like the two times I think we've actually, I don't think the Bushes or anybody else has been, has discussed it publicly, but the two times we've seen no. it are this guy heckling Bill and. Wow. Uh, and what was his response? Say it one more time. He was like, oh, <laughs> isn't that Oh, no, I'm not going to say it. Bill, can you say it one more time? Yeah, yeah sure. Oh, isn't that that country club where all the Republicans stand around naked together? It's like <laughs> something said, like that. He talked about, like, he specifically was like, oh, definitely. He's like, I've never heard of the Bohemian Grove, but it's definitely a place where people pull their dicks out. <laughs> he got a graphic. He's like, oh, he's we like, just wanted a quick thought. Like, isn't that that? He's like, isn't it a hardcore circle jerk awful waffle? It's like one of those things where he just kept talking. It's like, at what point do you interrupt They're the like, ex-president and say, can you stop talking, please? <laughs> you got to yeah. let him keep going. We were asking about Roe versus Wade. Roe. Okay, never mind. Anyway, sir. Uh, so... Then the guy was like, no, wait, there's evidence of you leaving. Oh, yeah. Ben is wearing a suit, by the way. We'll post a picture on the feed. But Ben is literally, Ben literally showed up at my door. I, he showed up before me. I was at the liquor store next door buying White Claw tall cans. And I'm like, hey, man, you ready to pod, bitch? And he's like in a full suit with a bottle of really, really nice whiskey. And uh, Well, as my mama always said, you got to dress for the mic. <laughs> okay. Oh, is that... Uh, I don't know is if that, anyone That's President that. Jefferson. Is it really? Yeah, Thomas Jefferson, how are you doing? Uh, I'm all right. Thanks, Ellie. <laughs> One of the things I'm known for is not being able to keep the voice that I started with for too long. We need uh, We need to... We I need to be friends with uh, more black actors because I really want to do a bit where it's like, we're here to introduce Thomas Jefferson and it's just <laughs> a black guy. There's, this, there's no other joke other than that. But it's like, you don't know what he sounds like. Yo, exactly. Was his voice actually recorded ever? Yeah. And we like, we know he raped a lot of like slaves. So maybe he was like a total. I don't. That changes your voice. So whatever. Yeah. That's got to be. Let's talk about something else. Yeah, exactly. We're not going to do that. But anyway, yeah. so. We're not talking about. Like, isn't that the place? He's like, isn't that the place where I jerked off George <laughs> W. Bush and Ross Perot? <laughs> Yeah. Um, but anyway, so isn't that the Republican that place where the Republicans wanted me to be the next Republican nominee, but I went for the Democrats instead because I knew I could win on the side of Team D, and I was right, motherfuckers. Two uh, two elections in a right row, four four sixty nine more years. <laughs> um, so <laughs> I will be your dictator. I'll put the dick in dictator. <laughs> <laughs> we probably said this before on this podcast, but like. Do you know what we call the Clinton bedroom? What is that? It's under the desk. Okay. Anyway, so, but anyway, so that's the first, the, the only other time we've heard a president talk about if on the record. If your bedroom doesn't fit under your desk, you're not doing it right you're not at work. Doing it. That's right. what our president taught us. If your if your vagina cannot fit a Havano Cuban cigar, 
you're in the wrong business, Peaches. You got to be interning somewhere else. You go to IBM. It's like, it's like Bill, what question are you answering? <laughs> I asked you. He's still at the conference. What are your thoughts on nuclear proliferation in Iran? And you're it's talking like, about like an the ex-lover. Thing about a top pussy. It, <laughs> and you're like, my question was on nuclear proliferation, <laughs> past president. So the only other time we've heard a president on the on recording a record talk about it, as far as I know, is Richard Nixon in the the Nixon tape. Yes. And he talks, yeah, he goes, he the Bohemian Grove, which I attend from time to time. <laughs> he really was like, uh, he had his persona down. Oh, yeah. dude, I love it. But he's like, doesn't even know anyone's going to listen. He's like, these are my private tapes. No one will ever listen no, to them. No, he this. knows they're going to listen to them. He's like, dead. he's like, they'll never make a movie with Kirsten Dunst. <laughs> he said that, yeah. Before she was born. Like, Dan Hadea from Cheers will never play me. <laughs> So wow. anyway, so he's like, the Bohemian Grove, which I attend from time to time. I love when he has his little aside, from time to time. Yeah, like he has to qualify it. It's like, he's I, like, I'm not there all, he's like, I'm not there like every Saturday. Usually I'm in Key Biscayne. Yeah, it's like he lists all the places he also is. And you're like, this is a lot of detail, dude. So, sometimes I'm out in Whittier. Then most of the time I'm in San Clemente. <laughs> like, where but is the Bohemian Grove, where, which I attend from time to time. Do you ever make it to Huntington Beach? He says, he calls it, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to use this, I have to use this word, but he calls it the most faggoty goddamn thing I've ever seen. <laughs> most faggoty goddamn thing I've ever seen. <laughs> I mean, dude, his tapes, like, I actually, because of you, for years I've wanted to go back to look at stuff that people cite, and I just don't do yeah. it. I like reading someone's critique, but I actually, after you and they joke out, I actually went back and tried to listen to some of these. Yeah. I only made it like, Less than two well, you got to get through like most of it's just like, well, <laughs> yeah, but that's what I want to hear for the part that people the funny get part. Through. Yeah, they get to like the uh, like the part where he explains that Jews are better spies than black people. That's yeah, one of my he's like the Jew is a natural born spy. <laughs> it's, it's like because they were in there just strategizing. It's one of those all things like where it, it was almost like him saying like, well, you know, black guys are really good at yeah. sports. It's like if you're gonna run any organization of people, whether it be a government or business or whatever. Yeah. It can be, it's really the most fascinating to assume that you're at war with your enemies because you get to sit around in lockdown bunkers eating <laughs> amazing catered food with some of your best buds. Sometimes the girls there, but it's usually the dudes just strategizing about world domination and control. It's like Bill getting, Gates. But getting fed real information from some of the most diverse network of sources. Like we can yeah. sit around doing this all day too, but we don't have daily coming in hundreds of reports based on tens of thousands of documents. That's good so point. it's just absolutely fascinating. So like Nixon, because we have, he just probably loves sitting around circle jerking, as he said, faggoty way, just talking <laughs> about world domination and just like his thoughts on every person, every group of people. Just because he could, and he knew people would listen to it after he was dead. So that's great. It, yeah, no, that's why Damn I mean, it. that's what I'm saying. He invented podcasts. Yeah, seriously. He's like, I, there's no real format. We don't really have a topic. I mean, we could say we're gonna watch every episode of Who Show Saved by the Bell. Like we could, but we're not. Um, so the, but his follow up to that is, I won't even shake. I won't shake anyone's hand in San Francisco. <laughs> he then said everyone's dirty or something. He's like, yeah, I won't, I won't shake your hand if you're from San Francisco. So, and, and why is that, Mr. Nixon? President Nixon, excuse me. Well, because it's the most faggoty goddamn thing I've ever seen. So, so are you saying that everybody in San Francisco is gay? Well, I'm not saying they're not. Would you say some of them are just uh, 
you know. They, well, listen, Ben. Amelia Lee's wife, she wasn't born Jewish. And she didn't convert to Judaism, but she spent enough time at the JCC in the synagogue that she has become Jewish. So you're saying converting to Judaism is akin to being a gay person? I'm just saying if you had stayed in the Bay Area long enough, you'd be a fudge packer too, man. Jesus, Mr. Nixon, this is like... Dude, this guy is... We should have him out on. of fucking control. We should have him on more Nixon. often. Okay, he yeah. says the things we, we want to say, exactly. but we don't. We should send him our topics in the future so he can prepare he can even prepare. more of these lines. So so we look at the Bohemian Grove. You got Bill Clinton, yeah. and he says, oh, isn't that that place where the GOP <laughs> circle jerks? And then Nixon's like, it's, it's the most faggoty goddamn thing. So it's That's like, hilarious. The only two recorded things that people have been there <laughs> this is like are just like, talking about like, Dude, it's so gay. Yeah. <laughs> like if they talked, exactly like Surfer Rose, like, dude. Dude, the Bohemian Grove? It's just hella gay. Dude, no homo, but it's... All right, I'm going to go catch the waves. It's just like, they just move on, you know? How did we get on Bohemian Grove? Because I really brought it to a different place. I'm sorry. Oh, we, I don't know. Dude, that's the great thing about... Great thing about this podcast is that... Um, no topic is sacrosanct. I just had like one... I was just like, it's... Uh, it's the Jewish New Year. Yeah. Uh, I sort of met someone that I'm pretty sure Ben knows. So... Or that's incredible. knows about, so let's go off. Yeah. That's the thing is, I think we need to... Um, and that was tonight. That was yesterday. This was yesterday. See, this is... this is. I feel like in my life, when I used to go out and do things, I would bump in... I would go to more places, bump into more... I had more yeah. stories like this stuff. Like, at work, but, but, I see famous people walking... Or at least they're famous to the, the Gen Z people who work there. But, like, I see interesting people that, like, I could be able to do a podcast. It's like, oh, today at the... Fashion Nova office. I saw blah, 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 blah. But like... Yeah. But do you think at some point... If but I don't seen, know who they are. But we're old enough, I think, where we've seen enough things where we can just fa- spin up new stories based on real stuff. So we don't yeah. even have to really... That's why we don't leave it. That's why being a homebody sometimes is nice because it's like at some point you've accumulated enough experience where you don't really need to add that much You can to still your get chest. knowledge. Yeah. yeah, you can create knowledge. You can create content. You can create, content. <laughs> create alternate facts. You can create... It's not alternate facts. They're just stories. They call them novels. You bring knowledge together to create exactly. stories or new ideas. And or you start a kibbutz. Idea. You start another kibbutz. Okay, this... Every time I talk to Ben, it just leads... <laughs> to, that's why we should all be Jewish communists. Like, we get it. You're small a Jewish C. communist. Yeah, but small C communism. I don't want to do any... I don't want to do the hard work of making real decisions yeah, exactly you're like we don't you you're like dylan before they went electric exactly you're like it's much n- non-plugged analog communist. stay in the shadows acoustic communist tell yourself ideas are so dangerous you should never go be compassionate communist i like compassionate communists yeah. the best but anyway um did you think we should start the thing is we never have any it's never a problem with you and i like oh we won't have enough to talk about because i was gonna ask you we make a a run-up to there's a lot more movies about christ i guess there's always movies about christ what am i saying oh yeah so should we start jesus movies so should we make one called compassion of the christ and it's just about how caring the guy was dude and it'd just be so heartfelt tearjerker i had an idea for a, a it was called jesus too the second coming obviously it's just like a sequel. It's a sequel to every Jesus movie ever made. Oh, that's perfect. And it's basically like, I mean, when I came up with the idea, it was like 1998. So let's imagine 1998. We wow. got Britney Spears. We got Backstreet Boys. Yes. We got like... In sync. In sync. Coming to the millennium. But also Tori Amos. Let me give a shout out. So it's the middle... It's the... Um, it's the middle of uh, another in, Infatata or... Uh, infatata. Infatata. What? 
What's it called when the Palestinians when we ah, kill? Ah, in, in, yes, in Infada. Wait, yeah. now you made me forget the word. I don't know. Infatada. It's when, it's when uh, the, uh, pal- our people yeah, in the Palestinians, we kill each other. Let's move on. Yeah, anyway. We know so the word and there's, we're forgetting. Yeah, there's, okay, so there's uh, unrest. The movie starts out in 1998. There's unrest in the Middle East. Okay. And um, there's like this big war at the border and like Palestinians and Jewish people are shooting each other. And this figure comes out and like kind of puts his hands up (laughs) and like, and then people like, what the fuck? And they just like stop shooting. And then, so someone takes like security camera footage of this. Then they take the shroud of Turin and they go, and it's like one of those like enhance type, like criminal minds, law and order type enhancing a photograph and then they take the shroud of turin and then they like overlap the security footage of this weird guy in the middle east who like stopped a battle with the shroud of turin which is they they say the shroud of turin is like a shroud that was wrapped around jesus and like the blood soaked through and you can see his face and they match it up and the security camera footage matches so and the world is waiting for this right for jesus to come back and the one guy figures that he's like oh shit takes the shroud of turin matches it to the photo he's like it's Jesus. Now this ignores the fact that the Shroud of Turin is obviously fake because we don't know that though. And this but movie shows that it's maybe real. it's not exactly. And, and that's what that's what the story should be. So anyway, it's Jesus. That's incredible. And he's back. And you know, and then there's there's a lot of stuff happens, but he goes into the oh, so he goes into uh what's what's the where all the the Roman Catholic situation? What's their castle called? The Mount. The Vatican. Uh, the, oh, that one. <laughs> yeah, their castle. Oh, you call it that a ca- That is a castle, technically. <laughs> yeah, I they would have not a have fortress. With, they have a fort where they keep a it's bunch of gold. Square, and, it's a square mile fort. It's one of the largest It's its forts. own country. It's this big castle yeah. where they rape boys and collect treasure. Jesus <laughs> and, uh, Christ. Uh, oh, the, I said Jesus Christ. Sorry. Oh, yeah. So anyway, <laughs> he, goes into their, he goes into the Vatican, the Catholic uh, rape treasure chest. And he says, this is not a I don't know what this house is, but this is not my house. And this is not a house of God. And he's doing all that. And then there's a scene where like the. <laughs> so he just dismisses the Roman Catholic yeah, Church outright. He, yes. Yeah, because it is considered blasphemy. It's blasphemy. If you look at he's ancient like, history of Jesus, it's true. One of the resounding agreements that, you know, the few people that spend their time trying to study stuff this old was that, yeah, the Roman so Catholics were heretics. They were but he goes he basically goes on this world tour and tells all christian people that you've totally got me wrong you are all full of shit yeah and you are you you're not christian i'm not christian i'm jewish and yeah. i don't know what you are but it has nothing to do with me and of course everybody says yeah. So Jesus Christ, everyone's been waiting for all the much of the world has been waiting for Jesus Christ to return. He's the son of God. Yeah. Because even if you don't think about Jesus Christ every day, you still know about the guy. Right. Anywhere in the world. We all have this idea and everyone has their idea of like what they Jesus means to them. But Jesus comes back and he's like, obviously, he's a revolutionary hippie, which is what he was. And so all the super Christian people are like. Fuck this guy. No, but no. But then also they're like, he just ended war in the Middle East. Right. Because so it's, it's a movie. So he ends war, he ends in, the war in the Middle East. Yeah. And you're like, I don't want to believe this is Jesus, but he's Jesus. And it becomes a head fuck. It's that? a head fuck. Yeah. Because like Jesus wow. is back. It is clear he is Jesus. It matches wow. the shroud of turn. He has magical Jesus powers. There is no denying. So but basically, the government's trying to deny in your movies what you're saying. The Vatican because is. Because individual, the Vatican. Young individual, like Christian people, 
churches like no churches if he's coming back and he's like i'm a hippie none of these churches are gonna ignore so if you spent like seven years developing this this would be a good movie yeah so like, then the only and if you part... can't hire real actors, do it with claymation, <laughs> right. and it might actually be <laughs> do better. with do with my Indiana Jones action figures. Yes, do it. Yeah, uh, even better. So then the only other part I remember is there was a scene where he's walking on walking on because he walks on water obviously to like be like you don't think I'm Jesus whatever. So there's this glorious scene of him walking on water, but then later in the movie there's a sunset scene. See, this is a good way. If you have a sunset scene later in your movie, you sort of show that the movie is like a day that's passing through, right? And so there's a yeah. scene where he's like, stand, it's beautiful. The the sunset is reflecting on the water and he's just like standing on the water. And like one of the other characters comes up and goes, God, it must be, he's rowing up in a rowboat. He's like, God, it must be amazing to walk on water. And Jesus says, sometimes I just wish I could swim. Mm. And then beautiful. you think about it like, oh, can Jesus not swim? Yeah, because remember all superheroes have curses. It sounds great to walk on water, but what if you want to go for a swim or take a bath? He can't swim. He, like, yeah. It's not that he can walk on water. It's that water is solid to him. Folks, you don't get these kind of questions in the mainstream media. That's why you should hit subscribe right now. But I, could nev- I never re- continued with writing this because I never because it to me was insanely hilarious, the idea of it, but yeah. also insanely like provocative mm-hmm. and like politically like yeah fuck yeah yeah but you got to write an hour and a half of dialogue at least right but then i also just find it like dramatically interesting right but could you write this would have to be a two hour and 20 minute movie i just don't know that's a lot of work like i'm like like the thing is like i just i'm one of those people who like i see religious like yeah i see politicians use religion it's so disgusting and it's like i have this to me, a good movie is like a, it lets you play out a deep-seated fantasy, like something yes. like What Women Want. It's like a stupid yes. movie, but it works. It's this fun fantasy of being able to read women's Exactly. Mind. And so to me, a fantasy would just be Jesus coming back and telling all these fucking people that they're, not only did they get it wrong, but they're yeah. bad people. But he's also doing things that people said were impossible right. just he's on the side. Jesus, he's still doing But Jesus he's doing stuff. it on the side. He's like, I'm not even thinking about that. I just did it. I'm not trying to walk on water. I just can't Yeah, And I'm not trying to end... I mean, I did try to end war in the Middle East, but it's not like... I'm I'm over. It's done. stop that individual battle. Exactly. But I ended up doing the whole thing. So it's just like... Because it's Jesus. Thank you. No. It's... It's okay. It really is aggressive. That's why they have a claw. But it's only 5%. So it's not... Each feels like... It should be considered a serving. That stuff is weird. So yeah, Jesus to the second coming. So yeah, you want to do a Jesus retrospective? Uh, in retirement. Okay. I can't commit to it before. Right, because I'll, it seems like a lot. I'll I mean, walk you through the best Jesus movies. Yeah, we can. Let's, we, let's walk. Let's, let's uh, what do you <clears> call <throat> it? Spitball him here. Spitball. So let's do, do, we do a little <laughs> retrospective. So you have, um, there's the movie Intolerance, which I think is a W. Griffith, which is a story. It's like wow. four stories of intolerance over the course of many years. And I think Jesus is one of the stories. And uh, it's a pre-MPAA picture, so there's or pre-Hays Code even picture, so there's like a lot of crazy stuff, like old pre-Hays Code movies. Like there's just like pussies hmm. and penises. Like wow, like back in the day, like it's funny because old movies but artistic, so crude. right? Yeah, but then there's these huge orgy scenes in movies from like the 1920s yeah. and stuff because it was like there was no code, and basically then Hayes came in and did the Hayes Code and it was like crazy rules, like if there was a gay character, he had to die. So wow. like oh yeah so I heard West, about these. I think it's in the it's either Philadelphia story or Young Philadelphians. There's this part at the beginning where ba- TV's Batman Adam West before he was Batman. He's like 
he gets married, but the night of the marriage, she's like, I can't do it. <laughs> yeah. And before he was mayor and family guy. Yes. And so he just like kills, he drives a car off a fucking bridge because he's gay. Because like that was like legally, you were required. Yeah, they to couldn't kill survive. gay guys. You know, they had to be bad. Wow. And all yeah. these stupid... I and mean, that, the movies were generally about just, like, atrocious human beings doing atrocious things. All these things are very fitting. Yeah. Like, to me... That's uh, great. I, it, but we've... And we've come for... Now we've come full circle with this some of this MPAAA stuff because, like, I, I was watching the Indiana... The new Indiana Jones movie. I paid $25 to buy it when it came out. And the movie starts with, this may contain smoking, which may be offensive yeah. to you. I was like, dude, I paid. Tw- I don't want to see this. I, I paid twenty five dollars. I am thirty nine years old. Like, you don't need to trigger warning me that someone's gonna fucking smoke a yeah. cigarette in a movie that takes place in nineteen sixty nine. Are you exactly. high? Yeah. I want someone to smoke a cigarette. Yeah, and what's crazy is like the levels of gratuitous violence that really don't have much to do about the movie can be it's in a, a PG movie. movie. It's a movie for fan. It's PG thirteen, but it's so a I'm movie saying for it's an R rating of someone smoking a cigarette, but you can murder and maim people I and be a PG movie. My son to his like he, the first movie Indiana he saw Jones. was was James was a James Bond movie. So he saw James Bond, yeah. then he saw Indiana Jones, they saw Barbie. This is his trilogy of first movies. It's just like horrific violence, and then this and then like a a woke feminist. A sixty ninth wave feminist movie about a doll, bright and pink. I fuck it. I love that movie. It's my favorite movie of yeah. the year. Kristen was. Gonna, I was gonna watch it, but then I thought, you know what? I should just memorize it. Mm-hmm. I think it's a good one to memorize. I always like memorizing like cultural artifacts. So that seems like it's gonna quickly already. Oh yeah, of. that's gonna. So be- I might as well just memorize the whole thing, dude. That's before the do. movie came out, beach you off like became like it was already memeified popular culture canon. It's not gonna end. I don't. It never to. will end. Like there will be endless memes. And it's a great party trick to be able to quote a movie like that yeah. verbatim. And you know they'll they'll make many more of them because it's the the fact that they've made it. Oh, it's not just that she's Barbie and Ken; that they are a Barbie and Ken. They're yeah. stereotypical Barbie and Ken. That there's all these other Barbies and Kens means that like Margot Robbie, who's the producer of the movie, like she'll make. I think she'll do one or two more. Yeah, like clearly there's going to be a sequel because like they've made so much. Oh, money. it's going like, to go on forever. So she'll make one or two more to kind of do her like little trilogy or whatever. And but the thing is like. There's so many other Barbies. There's Issa Rae Barbie, and then there's uh, this Barbie and it's that a mar- Barbie. It's like Marvel. It's going to be endless. They're then you could just end. do another Barbie movie. Where yeah. You could still call it Barbie because it's about Barbie, but it's it's yeah. not searchable Barbie. It's this Barbie. It's that Barbie. So it's just kind of genius franchising. It's like why Star Wars, the, the way they realized, okay, Yoda and Boba Fett are... Everyone loves Yoda and Boba Fett. Yeah. It's like... Because you get... Like, Yoda is the, like... Oh, it's the cute side of oh, yeah. Star Wars is evil. Oh, they're so cute. Look at his little ears. Oh, he's yeah, so and he's all like, and then the other side of Star Wars is like, he's a badass killer. He's got a fucking helmet and a mask and guns, and he, he's a bounty. He kills people. He yeah. hunts. He hunt. He hunts other men. Exactly. But you isn't know? most of Yoda's advice really about like how to kill your enemy? Yeah, it no, just but, sounds kind of yeah. He's like, oh, one with the force, you must be that fucking cut his head off. Yeah, but he doesn't say the, the, he doesn't say the quiet part. You're though. right. He says like in Return of the Jedi, he's like, you have to go murder your father. But he doesn't use the word murder. Yeah, but he's like, no, he's they're like, oh, well, I guess the Emperor already won if you don't kill your dad. Exactly. So what's great is that they're both. There's yeah. a whole subset of of Star Wars fans who are like, dude, Obi Wan and Yoda are dicks. <laughs> Yeah, but you know, I mean, I, I personally think I love Obi Wan Yoda. People I think they love were good, also, but they 
the Jedi were corrupting him. Whatever. Anyway. Yeah. So they realize the two most popular characters, Yoda and Boba Fett, but Yoda and Boba Fett are like either old, fat, or dead. Yeah. So, but they've set themselves in this stupid new timeline after Return of the Jedi. So, ah, shit, we're stuck there. Disneyland is in that time period. So we'll just make a young Yoda and a young Boba Fett. We'll call them the Mandalorian and Grogu. But oh, so you're not saying Yoda and Boba Fett are Barbie and Ken? No. That's not what you're saying. But I'm saying it's similar to that. <laughs> whereas, like, they pick two characters that, like, because Boba Fett and Yoda, you can always just put a new mask on him. Yeah. You can always, it's Ken always just Barbie. a puppet. They can live forever. You can have a million actors play them. Yeah. Ken and Barbie. Same thing. Same thing. So the, fran- the your ultimate franchises are ones where like it's not reliant on a single exactly. person or character. It's not about anybody. Yeah. But you identify what it is that they like. Like yeah. everyone likes like a cool guy in a helmet and then like a cute little Muppet. So yeah. let's make a Star Wars about the yeah. two of them. We just were watching that Toy Story where Barbie and Ken are in it. And the third one with oh. Lotso. Yeah. He's and great. Like Ken, it's like they're finishing each other's sentences. like, I love you. Ah, let's do it again. But then he, they go back and they cut to the poker night and Ken is just like a shit-talking fucking yeah. dude but he's like falling in love with Barbie. And then I think later in the movie, the other animals are trying to convince or the other toys are trying to convince Barbie that Ken's actually a backstabber. I think it's Woody or the other one. Buzz Lightyear. But they don't want... It's she Michael Keaton, want to believe. by the way. It's Batman's Michael Keaton, by the way, who plays Ken in that one. Really? Yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah, that is. Yeah. Well, interesting. Who knew? Who knew? Oh, you could look it up, but... No. Yeah, that's cheating. Did you see the new? Did you see Michael Keaton come back as the Flash in the new? Or I'm sorry, in the Flash as Batman again? Should I say yes just to make it? No, this is not that kind okay. of show. Because they say to say yes, people like hearing a yes. I don't rely on you to talk about. This no, type I of stuff. don't. I'm I like, didn't. oh, do you know this random city council person that sat next to me at Temple? Yes, like, absolutely. Like, <laughs> have you seen Batman? You're like, what? <laughs> I didn't know. Wait, actually, hold on. Maybe. Oh, okay. Good. When did it come out? this year possibly it's like it's it's like the dc universe is like finally coming to an end and they're gonna reboot it as something new but they're still gonna keep some of the old i don't know what they're doing it's a mess so they realized shit this series has been a total mess let's just make a movie that's a fun mess so like the flash is like the most fun of all of them because it was like they literally threw everything in they're like we're gonna have two flashes we're gonna have ben affleck's gonna be batman and then also uh, we're gonna bring back Michael Keaton as Batman, and then there's like a cameo for a second where George Clooney is bat is Bruce Wayne again, and then they for a second they show, uh, what's his name, uh, Nicholas Cage as Superman fighting a spider, which is like a super deep reference to a Kevin Smith DVD interview. And do they all stand around naked? <laughs> yeah, is it? <laughs> The, all, the all DC the Cinematic Universe is in that, that place where all those superheroes sit around naked. All the people dressed as Batman. Not only, it's even worse. It's just a bunch of guys dressed as Batman. <laughs> it is the weirdest In San place. Diego at a hotel at the airport just doing whatever. Yeah, talking about Just things. talking about And the crazy part is that a lot of them have been elected to things like president and shit. <laughs> So it's like, this is what you're spending your time and energy thinking about. Should you be the person making these other decisions? With but like it's nuclear like clear weapons. You, that's, you have to go to the Bohemian Grove if you want to be president. That's the thing about it. It's like, you want to be president, you have to go. Well, back. you have to be invited. There you go. You're because right. they decide the, the, it's right. the politicians, investors, businessmen, a few others, a little bit of the press are sitting around talking about 
the candidate. Who do they want to be their candidate? Yeah. They don't always, and the thing is like, they always had theirs. That person always win. But one reason why this thing is still around is because like, I think ha- like a third, if not almost half of all presidents that have been elected were decided at the Bohemian Grove. So they didn't always win all the elections that they put up someone. But their selection was at least like a third, which is a really high success rate because most people sit around and sitting around talking have a zero percent. <laughs> like a lot of people are sitting around like, oh, I want this person to be president. None of them ever get their choice. Right. In that, I mean, they'll guess who they're like, you know, once a candidate's chosen, but uh, usually they don't really. So, yeah, they had quite a high success rate. Mm. So we should be invited there so we can be president. Right. Could we be like co-president? Like just share it. Not yeah. vice and pre- just like sharing. We'll be co-president, but I'll, every day I'll call Adam Carolla and tell him what, and ask him what to do. Yeah, it's like or make him just make him press secretary. Adam Carolla, he's like, here's the thing about Mexican. Like that's yeah, he loves like- talking. You want a lot of press if you're president, so just have him talk, have him the whole press conferences twelve hours a day mm. with no break because yeah. he'll pee into a catheter. Right. <laughs> I think. I think if you're gonna, I think that the type of president that some non-Nazi people wanted Trump to be is like the type of president that I think an Adam Carolla would be, which is like, we're going to have, well, it's just like, he's like, we're going to get rid of left turn arrows. (laughs) This was the thing that he's like, you're digging deep, man. You're like, well, we're doing it. We're doing it. And then like, but then it's like unemployment goes down to a trickle and like, and uh, um, health outcomes increase. Yeah. And, and then they're like, like what's what? your strategy on unemployment? Like, I don't believe in unemployment. You're like, like, well. If you don't want a job, you shouldn't have to. What? Yeah. But it works somehow. And we're going to get rid of all permitting in L.A. Yeah. County. Um, but anyway, like, but the point is, like, I think people did want a president who was kind of like, like, I'm a straight shooter. And mm-hmm. but the thing is, that by the time anybody gets to the point where they're famous, they're no longer a straight shooter. Like, right. I'm sure, like. I mean, like back in the day, listening to Ace Man on Loveline, he's, he's like, we should legalize weed and fuck cops. And like, we should make sure everyone is has a morning after pill and yeah. all this stuff. But now he's just like, now he's just another fucking right wing chud. Yeah. And, uh, and you did as much. I mean, the president is still only the president. They yeah. don't get to just decide. They can't just by will of saying something, everyone just goes along. So they become a president. Like, there's probably a point where, like, Trump could have been an okay president. Like, he, I mean, not like... uh, Some say the inability to get a lot done that he talked about was success because it's the idea of, like, the government's... If you believe the government's power has gone a little bit too far, it's like, well, they got less done because they couldn't get the shit organized. I mean, what I've always... Administer it. What I've always hoped for from the Trump administration is that people we'd use it as an opportunity to dismantle the power of the presidency and make it like what mm. it's supposed to be. But it didn't really happen. That's not going to happen. It keeps getting stronger. Keeps the getting Supreme stronger. Court. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the level of that is like, you know, nine doofuses in robes overriding. Whether you like <laughs> elected officials or not, it's, you know. Do you it's want just, do you want nine unelected people making or being able to effectively override, even though they don't actually have that power, if your executive and legislative branch acquiesce to the decision of your judicial, then you basically are running the show when you want to through just nine doofuses and robes. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. I do not recognize the authority of the Supreme Court of the United States. 
You said it much more clearly. I just called them nine doofuses in robe, and I think you probably got my point. Yeah. <laughs> I think we're in agreement. I'm here. just like, look, this country was. I'm not one of those like. <laughs> Claire and I we used to have this argument where we'd be like I'd be like I'm kind of a sovereign citizen. <laughs> you know Who would I mean? say this? Me. Oh yeah. I'm kind of a sovereign citizen. I'm not the thing is like okay, all all like Christian nationalists like are also probably sovereign citizens so it's like it's a bad club to be in but I'm like I fundamentally agree with what they're saying yeah, in I'll terms come of up. like I I only you have to agree to be part of a society, you know. Yeah. So I've talked to my dad about this as an attorney. He's like, well, it doesn't work that way. And I, you know what my response is? Yes, it does. So? Oh. Yes, it does. <laughs> Am I going to So you're a lawyer and they're the Supreme Court justice, so they get to tell me what yeah. to do? No. And so I think that is what people like about Trump. Is he's like, like, they're like, well, we're, you know, we're Congress. You know, we're the Supreme Court. We're the Justice Department. He's like, I don't care who you are. <laughs> yeah. I'm the executive. I'll do whatever the, I want. Listen, I'm but the, the problem is what he what that you end up facing is that even if you want to do this and your your powers are that, if enough people in the layers around you don't believe that or have another agenda, then it doesn't actually end up working that way in reality. And that's like, you know, more of a realist way to look at it. It's like whether or not people want things a certain way, no matter what position of power they have them unilaterally can't just make a decision. So regardless of whether he wanted it this way or not, he wouldn't have been able to do it anyway. So all the people who have uh, what you would agree is like, a lot of people say that person is powerful, whether they're like, say, running the mm-hmm. CIA or they're uh, board president of ExxonMobil. Like yeah. say the two to 4,000 people in these positions, no single one of them, regardless of how boombastic they are, can just wait boombastic yeah like everyone's like you know like my Isn't family bombastic yeah but i say boombastic 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 boom because remember nba jams when it was boom shaka boom shaka from downtown he's heating up so i have ugly always shot so i have ugly shot <laughs> he's on fire so, kempe matumbo <laughs> yeah. sean kemp debt left shrimp <laughs> I was always debt left shrimp, dude. I love playing debt left shrimp. Pass the ball to debt left shrimp. Uh, I was so damn good. Sorry, I'm a Decampe Matambo man, but sure. No, I, he was my second. In terms of the, t- yeah, in terms of, I mean, I just picked them, picked the guys based on how cool their name sounded. So it was that and the cool name. Yeah, and then you end up playing them better, but it's just because you practice more. Right. So I was at, so I've always said boom bastard because of boom shakalaka. <laughs> okay. And so it's just like, you know, these days I hear a lot of people I'm around, like friends or family are talking on and on about like Elon Musk. I'm like, he's just a boombastic person. No single person, any of these one of four thousand. We don't have positions. to listen to them. Just we don't have to listen to them. And no single one of them is going to change the minds of the other 3,999. So it's like, there's all these little, that's why conspiracy theories are still somewhat truthful. Yeah. There's some truth to them because okay. whether or not uh, it's like this tightly knit group that are organizing their activities. There are a lot of different pockets all trying to get different things and get people on their side. And a lot of them aren't coordinating. The conspiracies turn like what we call conspiracy when you're like, oh, they're coordinating their activities. It's like just because they're doing the same thing with a similar strategy doesn't, doesn't mean, mean that mean they're actually talking yeah. and they might hate each other. Who the fuck knows? So people are working at like similar purpose, cross purpose. like no one person in this 4,000 is going to be able to do it. So right. all these fan like this Durant. That's why I always say like the FBI doesn't have to call the CIA and the and and say like we're gonna try to whack Kennedy. It's like yeah. they both are trying to do it. You know? Yeah. And when people are like, oh, but what about Hitler? It's like Hitler wouldn't have if it was just Hitler. What happened there wouldn't have happened. It was more than just. So it's like 
this tr it's, I've read it as Trump derangement syndrome as the acronym TDS yes. of these people that are just like, you're getting to the point of like, you're so like, there's such like zealotry behind it. It's like, you're still just talking about like one human one guy and this stuff and it's didn't because, happen. You're deranged. To it's think because it's because we allow journalists to go on Twitter. I don't even call the them journalists. Is, I've heard them called as stenographers no, and thing, sycophants. Well, that's the thing is like Twitter became a place where a non-journalist could become a journalist. Yeah. It became a place where journalists had to be to continue doing journalism. Yes. Now, the problem with that is that the type of people who are dominating that platform are people who are going, yeah. well, you know, the president's actually from Kenya. Yeah. And what's crazy and is Elon Musk, who's just basically saying like, we should put trans people on rocket ship sports cars and send them to an alternate dimension. Yeah. Just like saying ridiculous yeah. shit. And if you know the guy's background writing a lot of like sci-fi is like, the dude is just boom bastic. you or I <laughs> boom bastic. You have been writing a lot of sci-fi, but I think actually that as, he is. Uh, as Charlotte like Sheedy would often say, that's the book. Boombastic. Yes. Boombastic. We got to get your books to Charlotte's people. All right, let's, let's, let's do it. We got to get your books to but Charlotte yeah. Sheedy's people. But what so, you're saying is totally spot on. Because here's the thing. If it wasn't for CNN, New York Times, LA Times, whatever our parents are listening to or watching, NPR, uh, if it wasn't for those people going on Twitter and seeing what Trump and Musk are saying, would you know what Trump and Musk are saying? No, no. Because you don't go on Twitter because you're a fucking adult. Yeah, I'm like, why neither are you do reproducing I. Reproducing this cultural artifact. Our parents and most yeah. people, they don't go on Twitter. It's only because but the they people read about it in the New York Times, exactly. CNN, and you're because like, there's oh, a God. journalist who's paying more attention to fucking yeah. Twitter than what's actually going on. That's hearing this ridiculous stuff that Donald Trump's saying about Barack Obama. What? That they publish it, and then suddenly everyone knows Trump is this bad guy, and then Trump like goes down this whole path. Elon yeah. Musk, same thing. I would have no idea what he was saying if it and wasn't for. You know what's for... crazy? Like we, we, a lot of the. I mean, there are plenty of good journalists out there, but there's. Uh, no, and, we should hang all of them. <laughs> but a lot of them are true political operatives, and the whole point of journalism is that they're not political operatives. So what was? <laughs> but it? you You'll have to be this, to get the access. It was like within a few years of the CIA being created. It was within four or five. Project Mockingbird. No, it was a congressional um, commission okay. to look into. They knew there was enough evidence to open it even through like some federal courts of an investigation over how many or what was the relationship between the CIA and some of the it was Washington Post, New York yeah, Times, they and a few owned others. Them. No, it's that they had they thought maybe dozens of operatives working as journalists or editors. And so it's like it hasn't. I mean, it's changed. It probably ebb and flowed. But right now, I'd say even if it's still a few hundred with like the internet, a lot of what people are reading is like supposed inquiry or journalism or something is not journalism. It's propaganda because they're political operatives. And what they're saying a lot of times is truthful, but it's also like they can tell you the truth. But if it's such a small truth and they're not telling you about this other thing, it's basically a misleading lie because they're telling the truth, but they're side, you know, it's a sleight of hand. It's like, don't look at this other stuff going on. Look at this other truth. Right, and but so there's a lot of political operatives that are called journalists. Well, and put it this get way: their shit from it is crazy. Put it this way: you're Ben Bradley in 1972. So Bren okay. Badley, Bren Bradley is running the Washington Post, right? Okay. Okay. Is Ben Bradley a CIA asset? Well, I don't know. I don't remember. But the let's say, names. but let's say, Ben Bradley um, gets a visit from a member of the CIA. Yeah. And they say, 
this is what we want Woodward and Bernstein to be able to print. And this is what we don't want them to be able to print. And by the way, we're the CIA and we're fighting communism and we have pals over at the FBI. And this was in its 15th year, the CIA at this point? <laughs> oh, in 1972? Yeah. Or... Uh, they'd been around like post-war, so yeah, early 50s or Okay, so they come to him. They were Office of Strategic Service. I'm just saying, that's that, and that wouldn't have been the first time. Yeah, that visit alone makes you... Th- well, let, let's yeah, let's go back about some lines. Let's let's go back a little bit further. Let's say you're Ben Bradley when he first got his job at the Washington Post. Yeah, you want to get a visit job. from an FBI guy yeah. that says, "Hey, look, we think that there are communists inside of the Washington Post, and we want you to make sure that you're yeah, on the lookout." Red for scare. Them. Okay. Yeah. And if you're not going to help us, then we might think that you're one of those people, Ben. Mm-hmm. So we need your help. And the CIA comes and visits him and says, hey, you were going to publish something about something that was going to happen in Guatemala tomorrow. Uh, we're That's going to happen because we need to take out the communists. And we need you to not report on that because otherwise you're not helping us take down the communists. And so that might mean you're a communist. Okay. Yeah. So it's so scare tactics. Does Ben Bradley work for the FBI or the CIA? So then that's where the three to four hundred was probably at the level where he might be included in the four hundred, but was he right. actively helping or was he just taking an extra air of so, caution of being like, could you just because like you gotta think there was enough there's always an element of speed in journalism, right? Yes. You wanna get be ahead of the news. And so the would like the the Watergate's a good example where they uncovered a lot, but there were probably certain things where maybe, like you're saying, Brand Bradley or maybe one of the other editors because of a conversation with him because they take out the whole top rank. So they're like, you know, in this, the need for speed, they take out a few key things. So what are those things? The compassion of the Christ. Right. That's what's in there. And we got to go find wow. it. So this is something that I find sickening is the idea of using something like the Watergate investigation, which obviously the Washington Post gets all this credit and movies made about it, like the Post and all the president's men or whatever. Um, You know, they are uh, heaped with praise and they're used (laughs) as it's used. the, The Watergate investigation is used as this proof of, wow, look what happens when journalism Really works together. At its finest. Journalism can topple an elected president who won in the largest landslide in history. So topple probably one of the greatest presidents. The greatest president started started podcasting. Yeah. Ended ended the war in Vietnam. Started podcasting. Started the uh, EPA. And then said, you know what? I'm going to leave. And he left on his own volition. The rest was all background noise. So here's the thing he was done. (laughs) Right. So how could he possibly be a government asset if he took down the government? Well, that's because do you think that the F- everyone at the FBI or everyone at the CIA liked Richard Nixon? No. But there's cells operating within there these units. There is the East Coast establishment FBI man, CIA conservative, yeah. right? Um, then... There is the McCarthy era red baiting, better red than dead, like wow. low class Republican 
that Richard Nixon was a more populist, Trump like almost. Yeah. But Although very but much back smarter. to your Benjamin guy. So, but then we get back to Benjamin Bradley, and Benjamin Bradley, uh, he is taking down a president with these reports uh, that um, basically went to the head of the CIA and threatened them, and basically said, "You have stuff that makes me look bad." That's really what one of the big smoking guns in the Watergate tapes is him saying, go to the CIA and try to muscle yes. them out of the documents that connect me back to Cuba right. and it's, all of this it's stuff. The, uh, he knew he, yeah. he knew that he, that the, the, uh, the Cuban invasion was all tied back to Nixon because he was running point on Cuba for the Eisenhower administration while Ike was golfing. Yeah. And um, and what's interesting is not only did you use a sports reference for warmongering, but also the other person not <laughs> There in the room was actually playing a sport. Yeah, wait, what did I use? You said he was running point. <laughs> okay. Which is can be an often used sports reference, but then the guy who should have been there was off sporting in golf, <laughs> which is insane because they were, you know, warmongering in other parts of the world where there's nothing related to that place with here. Sure. There's no That's boundary disputes. There's it's so far away, so it's just like sportsman. <laughs> it's so, a sporting activity. So they had all these. Apparently, there was all these documents linking him back, and wow. he tried to muscle them out of there. So, like, I think Mark Felt, you know who Mark Felt is? I've heard that name. Mark but... Felt is Deep Throat. Oh, yes, yes. Now, people for years, they thought, who's Deep Throat? Who's Deep Throat? Nora Ephron, the, uh, mm. the, the, the writer, screenwriter, amazing, amazing She's artist. Great. Yeah. Uh, brilliant writer. When Harry Met Sally. Yeah. The greatest brilliant, movie ever. Brilliant writer. Uh, she was married to, I think, Bernstein, out of Woodburn and Bernstein. Oh, wow. And she knew for years that uh, Mark Felt was Deep Throat. They were probably friends, and when they got together, they didn't talk about the bullshit going on in D.C. They probably right. just had a laugh together, you know, well, drank a bottle of wine. She was, she'd, be at par- <laughs> she'd be at parties with God. Exactly. She's at parties with, I don't know, with Steven Spielberg or Woody Allen or who she's hanging out with. But for years, everybody asked her, who is Deep Throat? Do you know who Deep Throat is? And oh, she, people would ask her. Of course. Wow. She's Carl Bernstein's wife. Oh, right. Or she was. So that was the one thing. You, oh, you didn't right, know right, Nora right. Ephron. From, if you knew her and you, or you were a famous person or a rich person, you end up at a party with her. You don't really have anything to talk to her. Like, oh, that scene where where the lady says, I'll have one, too. Or I'll have what she's <laughs> having. It's funny. No, you, the other thing you talk about is, do you know who Deep Throat is? Yeah, everyone wants to know. She'd say, yeah, it's Mark Felt. Now, Mark Felt's not excited. Mark Felt was a very high up person at the Federal Bureau of of, of Investigation, at the, the FBI. FBI. He was an it was an FBI. But man. where else did his networks lie outside the FBI? Because he didn't obviously spend his. Mark he wasn't Felt. born there. Yeah, I, I don't I don't really know too much about Mark Felt, but I know that he's he's deep throat, and I feel like that's something that we should all just know. And Nora Ephron. Yeah, the lady who wrote all these romantic comedies. I knew this. She told people for years when they asked the question that they always asked, who's Deep Throat? She said, it's Mark Felt from the FBI. And everyone's like, no one believed her. But it should be. That's kind of a good thing. Like when it comes to like protecting whistleblowers, you don't. Sure. They're not the main event anyway. No. he was. So Nora's got enough discretion where she's like, I know. Yeah, but this doesn't really matter. That's not the point, people. So the. Like, leave us alone. We want to enjoy this martini. So. 
the broader point is to get back to like, okay, was the CIA or the FBI owned? Did they own the Washington Post and the New York Times? Personally, I think they did. Owned I, it. Like, like made. I consider the New York Times to be a state-sponsored CIA But don't they asset. do it? Don't you would think they do it through influence and threat rather than finance like they don't actually yeah no i don't i don't mean that but they, they literally, control it yes. right to a certain yes because more it's even more sense, and i think it's undeniable yeah. and it's more subversive i, I mean like, look just look at the stuff they're running about the ukraine Come oh no on. we know they are because there's a history Come of it on. since before. the cia is going nuts in the yeah. ukraine right now it's as been it should, so heavily them. involved in the supporting the democrat party for <laughs> so, so long where it's like, if people are like, well, what about this writer? This story? It's like, yes, they have other stuff. That's always like when it's like, oh, but, but what about this? What about <laughs> that, editorial that good cop? Like, I have some family friends who are good cops. Yeah, they always let. I'm like, okay, yes, there staff. are good cops, but yeah. like, I don't like. But they cops. control the biggest story. So the little facts that come up, they're like, people, people, you got, you're missing, you know, the forest for the trees. Yeah. It's like, no, 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 no. This person is just because he's a one person, you know, journalist. Right. doesn't mean it's not a bigger bombshell, but it gets buried because they can be like, you know, whatever, that happened. Well, they have to feed things. You have to exactly. also be... I'm not saying they're not a legitimate newspaper because they do run... They That's do, what I mean. They have everything. The, you know, you can you can still see if the Yankees won the game right. and what the, the weather. weather was like tomorrow. Yeah. So to a certain extent, yes, they're functioning as a newspaper. Yeah. But in and terms of their overall uh uh <laughs> yes they still have comics they still have though. comics but in terms of and their recipes. overall place in the world and what they do i consider them to be a form of state-run media but it's not like how really, it is in russia it's a more free form but anyway let's bring it yeah. back let's just close out the story uh about ben bradley and mark felton so is ben bradley really and carl bernstein and, and um Bob Woodward, are they really just proof of like the triumph of journalism? That journalism is the most important thing. I would say it would be, because because yeah. they took down the federal government and they went up against everyone. Or did the FBI and the CIA feed them Nixon and they helped basically assassinate, impeach, get rid of the president? Yeah. Would one in a landslide? For like, yeah, some shady ass thing that he probably approved and like definitely he was a criminal and all this kind of stuff. But like, was this really? Oh, yeah. Everything that's been metastasized of any elected official, probably in any government ever, is that sometimes the actions that are brought down are so character assassination from another party that doesn't want that person. Yes. Because the things that the other parties, that similar person did is... Sometimes worse, sometimes equal, sometimes not quite as bad, but within that general range of being hella sketchy. Yeah. Where it's like, yeah, it doesn't, just because you kind of are like, yeah, but it's not as big, you know, the other person did this. It's like, they're all doing it to some degree. So you gotta, it doesn't help just to focus on just that one thing. It's like, well, what else was going on? Yeah. And like, what did, what ideas did they really want to crush? For sure. And what did he know and talk about? Or did they really just want to test their metal and say, because the CIA was new enough where they're like, 
they're out out of the first generation. They had been successful in helping overthrow something like by that point, 30 something other countries elected officials. So they're like, let's fucking try our own. So it could have been Congo, Vietnam. It's we're up to like 80 at this point. I think there was a huge success rate right up front with the CIA. Yeah. The fifties and sixties. It it was blitzkrieg. Like we basically caught the rest of the world by storm. No one thought that that the U S would be setting up a cowboy crack assassination squad. Insane. Funded through like fruit companies and shit. I bet Benjamin Benjamin job was even more complicated. He got the visit you described, but I bet he also got a visit from another cell in the CIA saying, there's a cell operating within the CIA at high levels trying to assassinate or trying to take down the president. Do not listen to him. And he's like, this organization is as complex as I thought because they're working at cross purposes, but they're at the CIA. Because there's all these cells. So he's probably like, I'm just going to do it over this. So this is literally what conspiracy theory should be. So theory is something that people who are educated about something can come together and come up with a theory and discuss the theory or exchange theories. But they're unprovable. Or they're, or let's say some of them are unprovable. Some of them are provable, but you never do prove them. But you would never go out and declare, Ben and I have this theory. We made up this story about what we think might have happened to Ben Bradley at the Washington We Post. call it the truth. And we say, this is what happened. No, we're <laughs> two people who like know enough about the subject to come up with a theory of what might have happened. Yeah, exactly. And a conspiracy theory is fine. Yeah, because what is conspiracy? It's people conspiring to do something in a coordinated fashion. So all you're really saying is like, these things happen... The conspiracy theory is a very well thought out theory about yeah. people conspiring to see that something happens. And so it just gets it gets used as like this divisive term. And what's crazy is smart people, quote unquote, use it to describe stupid people. <laughs> but the problem is I've listened to a lot of these stupid people tell their full conspiracy theories. And if you let them tell the whole thing in whatever meandering way they want, they end up making a lot of sense at the end. And they do actually realize that it's not like this all-encompassing, yeah. you know, this is exactly how the world is and there's nothing that could ever change my mind. Right. And so it's absolutely crazy because there's even more thoughtful than uh, smart people. Well, you asked me a question. You asked me a question uh, about uh, the whether or not you asked me a question about media and whether or not like there was CIA assets at the media oh, or something yeah. like that. And so I came up with a theory to be like, based on some things that we know, here's how the CIA and the FBI could influence like the big decisions of this organization yeah. without having to, and therefore I would say, quote, own, unquote, the organization, yeah. without having to have someone who is like, like in the movie The Departed, like we're sending you in undercover. Exactly. It's you know, not it's quite not like that. It's like, and so I came up with the theory of this is what could have happened. When he started the job, this happened. And then this is what happened. And look, combined with who Mark Felt was, who Deep Throat was, maybe it wasn't like this triumph. So that's what I was saying. It jo- sickens me yeah. that like they would be like, look at fucking us if, if exactly. it wasn't actually, if they were just being fed something and by in the, the FBI. So the problem is, so I came up with this theory to answer your question, or at least respond to your not answer respond to your question yeah now the problem is in if an somebody, informed thoughtful way I, I would certainly hope so well you so didn't the, attack me and tell so me to the, stop talking <laughs> shut up <laughs> stupid so get the, over here so the problem <laughs> the problem is when some if someone listens to this and then they go talk to someone else and they say did you know that the FBI visited Ben Bradley yeah when he first started and then the CIA visited like this is a totally like legitimate theory but hey 
I have no way of proving that it's what happened or and not. By developing our conspiracy theory, we came up with a, with a sequel to All the President's Men. Right. Because that one's about the reporters. This one's about the real conspiracy. The editor yeah. and connections to at least two to three cells in the CIA. Right. And then you've got Mark Feld and Nora Ephron having a romance <laughs> on the fucking side. That to me is the most interesting part so of we'll, the story. So we'll throw in a romance comedy with the CIA and the editor of the Washington Post and like Woodward and his friend, what's his name? Carl Bernstein. Bernstein. Woodward. All the President's Men by Woodward and his friend. <laughs> his friend. And their only scene in the whole movie is at a big soiree mm-hmm. at the Met, at a Met Gala. Yeah. And it's mainly Nora and Mark Feld. That's the scene, them falling in love. It's a throwback to... So they're kind of the Rosencrantz and Guildenstern. They're just... I was thinking of the throwback to Woody Allen at the Met Gala in in Manhattan. Manhattan. So it's Nora Ephron and Mark Feld. This part's in black and white. Exactly. The rest of the movie's in color. Mm -hmm. So Mark Feld, Nora Ephron, Carl and What's-His-Face are over there. And they, it's like, oh, yeah, those are the reporters working on the big story. So they completely minimize the story. Because the whole movie, All the Presidents of Men, is about the story. This one gets one reference in the whole movie. And it's mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah, those are the reporters working on the story I told you about. But the rest of the movie is about Love Mark it. Feld, Nora Ephron. And they the, have a romance. Two to three cells in the CIA and the editor, Benjamin. And those are the main characters. Yeah. Ben Bradley. So by coming up with the conspiracy theory, we just made a whole... Movie that we're never going to make because making no. it would take far too but long and too much get energy. Some guys and set it's a, up a camera that might take like one, two days. Just saying, all <laughs> maybe the things, three days. Doing all the things, saying all the things that we need to do would take two hours. So yeah. we're this probably, is why. Well, what, once we're able to make full AI films, everything's over because it'll, you'll just be able to just be like, and then blah blah blah, and then blah, blah, right, blah, and then and like, you're like, but it's terrible. You're like, but it's made. So right. and then it's like, <laughs> well, it's like not everyone used to be able to make music and then exactly like with uh once like electric guitars could be like available like you could just start a garage band you need a full orchestra yeah. to make music you know so once it gets to a point where like now pretty much anyone can make a movie you make a movie on iphone but once it comes to a point where people can make epic you know ben-hur type movies yeah. just like by explaining it to ai it's exactly up. and then you'll just lease and li- like i want to license robert redford's face and dustin hoffman's face but i'm gonna swap them i'm gonna actually have one they're gonna. It's gonna be that. I'm gonna de-age them and swap them. Bernstein's actually gonna be Robert Redford, and uh, but anyway. But the point is. Um, oh. Yes. <laughs> yeah, we're, I think now that we see all these D, our favorite characters, they're all like de-aged. Maybe they put them in anything. Yeah. Like they had the de-aged Indiana Jones. We got de-aged uh, uh, everybody. <laughs> Just do it to all of them. Just do it. Like, you got de-aged Arnold Schwarzenegger in uh, one of the later Terminators. They're, they're de-aging left and right. So, basically, they're saving all these people. When they die, they are going to just license them out in the same oh, yeah. way. Like, I mean, as when you're doing film or whatever, or video games, all kinds of stuff, you, you basically just, like, license a lot of... Um, uh, Assets, whether yeah. they're special and effects, then, I mean, assets, the yeah, and then music, two... sound effects, and stuff. So you'll, at a certain point, actors will just be assets that you purchase, right. and then you can sit and do like motion capture. Yeah, you can already sort of do this kind of stuff, but we're gonna get to a point where like literally everyone's gonna be able to make like movies are gonna be like Minecraft. You just make your own thing. Yeah, and some people, a lot of people will use already known people, but yes. a lot of people won't. Well, you have to pay it, extra. But but the thing is like. <laughs> The fear is like in 2,000 years, people are still going to be watching movies with Arnold Schwarzenegger, Nora Ephron, and Mark Feld. It's like, what about everyone well, else It'll in be the written next by the AI. The That's AI. what I mean, because they're still just reproducing the same faces yes. when it started. 
So, but not everyone's going to do that. They're going to come up with their own, you know, yeah. characters. Well, I, I mean, I want this technology to come out. Like and three like, characters. I want to make movies and we, you and I can make a movie with a couple other people. Yeah. And we, and everything, we build all the sets in CG. We license all of the music. Yeah. And well, we're going to make uh, it all ourselves. AI edits it and we play all the characters. Yeah. But so in one of my movies, three of the characters are a GMO hot dog in a bun named Frankie, a <laughs> cage free egg. And a mechanical bee. So I'm not going to need to pay a whole lot of royalties or licenses because that shit's free. All right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, that's like, the you know, they, they made a horror movie with Winnie the Pooh because the uh, <laughs> Winnie the Pooh went into the public domain. Oh. So they're like, we're just going to do some gross shit with Winnie the Pooh. Oh, disgusting. And it's like part. It's I love it because I mean, I'm sure the movie's trash, but I love it because it's gross and scary. But then there's also the potential that like a child or a parent could accidentally go, oh, Winnie the Pooh and like just be searching oh, Winnie the Pooh. Gross. Like there's something like crazy and subversive about that. But it's like that you could just do that. But there's like, the, like the mutilation. There just has to be a warning if they smoke cigarettes. Yeah, but the, the problem movie. is what if a kid doesn't know what the warning is and starts watching Winnie the Pooh being mutilated and then goes to his friend's <laughs> house watching actual Winnie the Pooh and like leaves screaming. The, pro- the parents are like, your what kid's crazy. Fuck? Yeah. That's the real problem. I feel bad. I showed my, <laughs> my, you know, we started watching Batman Returns and I was like, oh, we can't watch this. We, got, we can only watch fun Batman Returns and, you know, Lego Batman, Batman 66. But then, like, it's on my iTunes because I downloaded it, um, and or I bought it for four ninety nine on iTunes. Batman Returns, because I, I wanted, the, I wanted the audio commentary honestly on Batman Returns because I wanted him to like, to be like, t- explain to me why you did this. Yeah, like, sir, explain yourself. But then yours would be like a sit down chat, <laughs> sir. I, I really need you to explain what the fuck is going on in Batman Returns. But anyway. Uh, interview with a Batman. I come home and my son is like, what was what my parents uh, babysat him and yeah. he was watching Batman Returns. And when I saw Batman Returns as a kid, like I ran out of the room screaming. The movie scared the shit it's out scary. of me. Scary. When they threw me, when Christopher Walken throws Michelle Pfeiffer off a cliff. Anyway, so what's the one with Jack Nicholson? That's Batman '89. I love that Batman. That's Got, Batman '89. Yeah, called, that's what you call it. I just call it Batman '89 because yeah. it was the year it was made. Yeah, that's what it's. Cool. Do you see that book over there? Superman 78 next to Batman 89. Wow. So that's the way the movie universes now in DC canon are referred to by the year. The year. That's so there's Batman 66, Batman 89. Yeah. So anyway, because they were both. Then called. Batman Returns is just, you don't have to give the year for that one? It was 92, but it's in the Batman 89 universe. Oh, interesting. Because it's called Batman yeah. Returns. It's so my son loves Batman 89. Interesting. Uh, but Batman Returns. That one's super. The Tommy Gun scenes, like he's just watching that, just loving it. Yeah. Oh, my son watches so much violence. Yeah. Used to. We talked about this. I'm just like, look, we have some friends who their kids aren't allowed to watch violent movies, and these kids hit each other with sticks and shove each other and do what little boys do. So. Uh, yeah. And my son is a little boy, and he's mostly very sweet all the time, but yeah, occasionally like. Hit something with a stick or shove somebody or something because he's a fucking toddler. That's what two mm-hmm. and a half year olds do. Um, it's not the action movies that make him no murder. No, that, Mike, if he becomes a murderer, it'll give him some good. Trying ideas. to show a causal link between those two is a fool's errand. Look, here's the thing: it's crazy. Is it crazy that I show my that I took my baby to see? A James Bond movie? No, the crazier thing is trying to say this caused something else down the road. 
watching right. these movies. Yeah. Oh, that reminds me what we were talking about earlier that uh, that there was the warning about cigarettes in the movie. Oh, yes. But there's yes, literally yes. a scene where just like a nice lady who works at the school gets shot. Yeah, but that's and, okay. And, the, and she bleeds out like that's on what I'm screen. Saying. And like my and my son like at that time he was going to the JCC preschool. My wife was like, he's going to be afraid to go to school. He's going to think the lady's going to get shot by a Nazi. Exactly. But the cigarette, <laughs> the cigarette. Is, is a big deal. It has to call that out. Like you have to warn an adult. Yeah. Or, or at least a 13-year-old, an adult in the eyes. I mean, it is God. why America around the world, one of our many reputations that we're the most violent country in the yeah. entire world. But cigarettes, I mean, come on. Like, right, because we're more concerned with the cigarette on screen than a teacher being shot and mutilated. Like, that's okay. Like, yeah. we don't need to tell about that. But the cigarette, someone smoking a cigarette in one of the scenes. Anyway, my parents never let me watch any of this kind of shit, so I became obsessed with it. My parents never yeah. let me play with toy guns, so I became yeah, obsessed with it. But most people it. at the end of the day are peaceful people and actually yes. won't even hurt and, a fly. And as an adult, I'm still watching these stupid movies yeah. and like, you know, and I'm still obsessed with this crap because it was like, there was this like, uh, uh, you can't have it. You yeah, exactly. I mean? it's, it's very hard. So I'm just like, yeah. whatever. I, I want my son works. to be bored by this nonsense. Right. Like philosophy and education is very difficult and there's no one r- yeah. way, but censorship just never works. Like not letting something be I seen or talked about doesn't work as a full strategy because it's going to They're going to get it. They're going to see it somewhere at some point. So censorship of just doesn't work. Putting a judgment on media just in general. Yeah, you got to talk through things and otherwise, that's really the only way. If you're just going to make these snap judgments, it's censorship and yeah. You know, the you'll be on that, the ship to Mars and we'll be able to stay here. Like Batman Returns scared me and I ran out of the room, but it did not scar wow. me. Yeah. Like uh whereas the Holocaust footage that I saw like in documentaries like on TV oh, I was yeah. like on A&E as a kid, that gave me intrusive thoughts which is something i like i didn't know what it was as a child but an intrusive thought is like something that like a psychological a thought that's psychologically harming you that you can't like get you out can't of stop brain. yeah i remember at museums after some of these holocaust museums i still remember some yeah. of the fucking Intr- the, 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 they're intrusive yeah like i'm a small child and i'm seeing like living skeletons yeah. and being told those are your people you yeah know what i mean like that and then i saw some footage of i think it was like the civil war in the Congo and there was a guy like getting scalped or something like getting his head like like it was a person alive with like a knife being like parts of them like they're either there's their ear getting cut off or their scalp I had intrusive thoughts about that for years I could not think of this like gr- stopping with this grimy um, footage of these men being murdered and tortured and mutilated and um, the only other the only movies that have done that kind of stuff to me are like Quentin Tarantino movies, like the butt oh, rape yeah. scene from Pulp Fiction. Like I can't unsee that and it oh, disturbed wow, me all the time. Yeah. Like the ear scene and he finds a way to put something in every, this is why I love him. <laughs> he just... finds a way to put something in every movie that will traumatize you, that will create yeah. an intrusive thought. It's the Andy Kaufman type thing too. You know what I mean? Like I can understand why my mom doesn't like that. Yeah, but, that's why the, these movies that we love, like the two of us and a lot of our close friends, yeah. there's a lot of them are still considered cult classics because they're highly loved by a small group because they're disturbing pieces <laughs> of art. And where you're like, I would never argue with someone like, but you didn't like it? It's like, I don't need people. No. Like, I totally understand why yeah. people don't like Silence of the Lambs. Exactly. But you have to understand why that's I've tried me your and line. Amelia's Valentine's Day. I've movie. tried your line, but I've stopped after the four Duds, attempts, yeah. of being like you know you should watch it as a comedy type of thing nobody wants to hear that 
So I'm like, maybe I just shouldn't say that part Sounds out loud. No, it's because you're saying it wrong. It's romantic comedy. Oh, romantic comedy. Maybe that's why. Be I still don't think I need. No, no, no. it's a romantic. Com- but they're highly disturbing. And so the thing is, like, you're not going to get a big, broad audience, which is fine. Like, you don't need one. Like, not everyone should be seeing no. everything because that's. But the thing is, the movies we're talking about won Oscars. Like, Pulp Fiction, a lot of people saw that. And Silence of the Lambs, a lot of people saw that. They both won Oscars. Oh, they did. But I'm saying relative to other stuff and staying power. Yeah. They tend to have a smaller following over time. But they're still within the top so, yeah. echelon of most They'll still things. show up like in, like if you're... Yeah, if I'm you not know, talking about like a racer head. Like I'm not talking about like some yeah, that experimental... Is more, that's more cult. Like, that's, that's very cult. That's Lynch, right? I'm saying cult of the blockbusters, I guess. I, I see, yeah. Because yeah. yeah, you're David Lynch, then you're in like a whole... That's Lynch, yeah. right? Yeah. You're a whole other exactly. area. Or like Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas is an example of like a very disturbing movie. Sure. But it has a cult following, but was... Was not embraced by the critics as opposed no. to something like Pulp Fiction... Which like was. It was a it was a it was a, a dud, uh, financially and uh, critically, right? But that's because it was uh, too. Uh, good. It was a good. Act- it was, it was like good. a good adaptation of, of a the, great book that doesn't really turn right. into a good and movie. Being but, a cult follower, I will say it, it was because people are stupid. They didn't understand it. The director, <laughs> the director Terry Gilliam, I would say, there's about five living directors that I would put in this category. Okay. You got Spielberg, Scorsese, David Fincher, um, Terry Gilliam. I get. I guess you gotta throw Ridley Scott in there. Um, these are just the greatest directors living. I might even throw Woody Allen in there. These are the greatest directors living. What about Lars Van Trier? Would you put him in there? Oh, uh, maybe. For obscure yeah. films that like okay. still I'll, then Okay, then we're some... also going to put in um, Werner Herzog then. Okay. Um, but he's he's on, Terry Gilliam's like on the list of, now it's like about a dozen people, but like, there's how many, nine billion people? Eight, not eight. Eight or nine billion people, like. Terry Gilliam's on the list. But we're of at seven point four. We're not even at eight. Living like even yeah. if it's a hundred people on that list, he it yeah. because like, did you just watch? I just saw watching Good Omen with Kristen, and it is it is really well. Good. Which one is that? The Good Omen. Terry Gilliam. He and, directed uh, that. No, he wrote it. He started writing it like twenty or thirty years really? ago. Really. And one of him or his coworker passed away recently. Huh. And but the show is just it is funny. Like, it's a little bit sharp, too sharp for my liking. Like, I like the ones that are, feel a little bit less, like, put together. Well, he's a he's a Pythonite. He's one of the original yes. Monty Pythons. Yes, he did Brazil. He's That's what I'm saying. Brazil. I, and my personal favorite of his movie is 12 Monkeys. Oh, my God. I didn't know he did that one. That yes. one is... 12 that's Monkeys a weird fucking movie, too. It's a weird movie, and it is a masterpiece. Yeah, like, going from Monty Python to 12 Monkeys, that dude is... And in between... Life of Brian, which is a Monty Python, but it's also very much a Terry Gilliam film. And it's if yeah. we're gonna go on, the, we were talking about Jesus movies earlier. Life of Brian that's, tops for me. I grew up. I, that's one of the ones I had on VHS that yeah. I recorded. Life's a piece <laughs> of shit when you look at it. <laughs> yeah, I'm not dead yet. <laughs> that one was so good. Yeah, Life yeah. of Brian is my favorite Python. The great thing about like, um, even going back to. Uh, Holy Grail, like Holy Grail is like a goofy ass movie, but there's a couple of shots in the movie that are so rich and scary to me. And it's specifically when they 
go to he finds that castle, the tower with all like mm-hmm. the hot chicks who are all horny oh, and yeah. spanked. Like when he first shows up, there's a shot of the tower and he sees the grail and it's glowing. Oh yeah. And it's like a very like scary and it's haunting rich haunting image in yeah. this movie where it's like we have the knights that say knee just but a flesh wound yeah. and it's like oh shit like where did this gothic masterpiece of a shot because it's fit a f- into true this? farce like the whole movie the whole movie is a, a farce, farce but like the thing that there's no there's no joke in that shot it's just the sh- like in the script or whatever it's probably just like there's a castle and it's dark and there is Christ's cup yeah. is glowing. It's searing into your mind. Yes. It's, it's an amazing shot. Yeah. Because it makes the whole movie is, it's a farce because the whole movie is so funny, but it's serious because they're looking. They're looking for the Holy Grail. For the Holy Grail. Um, yeah. This is real shit. See, so, I love I love the Jesus stuff. I love Last Crusade. I love talking about Holy Grail. I love the, the Da Vinci Code. I love that movie too. I never actually saw that. Uh, that was and the book. I actually read that book. Wow. Um, and it got talked. Sometimes people talk about things so much that I end up never actually. Should I see that? Maybe I should well, see that now. There was this book, Holy Blood, Holy Grail, which basically the whole theory is based off. And then even better, there was this game called Gabriel Knight Three. <laughs> that was all about the Holy Grail and like its basic thesis, which I believe, believe I'm in quotes, that my favorite theory about Jesus is that uh, the people who, that after the crucifixion, they used the Holy Grail to drink blood and became the world's first vampires. And so like the blood of like the grail is actually like the vampires. Are so like, vampires are the so blood of Christ. I don't remember. I, I think that this is in the Gabriel Knight game. If it's not like, it might be sort of that. And I've extrapolated it and created it into my own religion, but that's okay. That is, it's either, I definitely, it started from when we that. have a budget, we can hire some fact checkers right. to go back. Afterwards. So when Da Vinci code came out, I'm like, Oh, this is cool. But like, it's just based on this book, blood of the, uh, Holy Blood of the Cross or whatever that's all about uh, what are those knights called? Me? No. The knights who say knee? Uh, knights uh, Templar? Yeah, the Knights Templar. Those oh, guys. Who those are the, the Knights Templar are like OG conspiracy theory guys. Like they're yeah. always showing up. The Illuminati, Knights Templar, all these. They always have these evil cabals, right? Right, or, but they spend so much time on it where they're... That's why they're still known because right. they're well-developed theories. And they're... Yeah, it's cool. Like, I love the Knights Templar stuff. So this this video game was very... Uh, blood of the Cursed, Blood of the Damned, Blood of the Sacred, Blood of the Damned. Great. It would have been a great movie. Um, it's, um, it's a great game. Uh and it was early 3D adventure game, but it was like you had this character and you walk around like this city, but you would kind of like move this camera around. So you kind of oh. like made your own movie. Wow. Like, so you'd be like, I'm going to move the camera over here and then I'm going to have him walk over here. And then I'm going to move the camera. So it was oh, a- it had the ability to control the camera and yeah. the player. And yeah. People didn't like it because you remember you used to have those adventure games where you like click around the screen. It was yeah. like that, but what if you could move the screen around? Yeah, I thought it was really cool. So a lot of the ideas that are explored in uh, Da Vinci Code are just like that game, derivative of Holy Blood, Holy Grail, or Holy Cross, Holy Grail. So, but it's a the Da Vinci Code's less interesting version of it, in my right? Opinion. But it had Tom Hanks, so it's more interesting, right? The but the book is good. It has a lot, <laughs> and I just like puzzles and stuff, and like Da Vinci stuff. Like Da Vinci was just an incredible, crazy genius, and. Uh, 
that's such like a rich fountain of stuff that you can pull from all of Da Vinci's inventions. And he's related to conspiracies. And I think just to kind of round out what we're talking about is like everybody wants to be in on the big secret, Mm -hmm. whatever it is. Um, What's really behind everything. And we all have our different versions of this. Some people are like, oh, I want to read a bunch of books about history. Okay. You get your t- like Tucker Carlson's that guy. Yeah. It's like, I'm going to read a bunch of books about his- about war in general. Such a waste of time. And then I'm going to apply. And this goes back to the question that my sister's sister-in-law was asking me earlier, which is how often do you think about the Roman Empire? Mm-hmm. And I said, every time I look at a road, babe. <laughs> <laughs> I think a... about the Roman, and then her her husband is like, "See, exactly, and all the time." And she's like, "Well, yeah." He says, "I think more about the Greek, ancient Greeks, the because she had had this conversation with him, being like, not all men think about the Roman Empire all the time.'" And he was like, "I guarantee fucking it." And then we asked like uh, his brother in law, my brother in law. Uh, it's funny because both of us have the same brother in law, but his his wife isn't my. Yeah. Sister-in-law? Or is she? I don't know. Whatever. If it's by marriage. I think yes. they're all my sister wives. Interesting. That's <laughs> okay. a pretty no, big but, but anyway, like, and then we talked to, uh, so we talked to my brother-in-law, Adam, and he's like, well, not like every day, but yes, I'm, he's like, well, I'm a rabbi, so that's not really a fair question because I often have to think about the Roman Empire because the history I study is very... So, yeah. It was like, right, it was during the time that rabbinic... Judaism yeah. started was during the Roman during Empire. The, so they can't get around it because they're, they're rabbis. Yeah. That's when their history starts, you know? So Emily was like, God damn it. Like, yeah. You just, disprove it so I like, mean, that's why like one of the most listened to podcasts in like the top, I don't know, hundred or 500 is that person's like one or 300 episode history of the Roman Empire. <laughs> like excruciating really? detail. And people told love that by the show one. Rome too. Yeah. They, I mean, I did watch that with my sister. Cool. It was great. But like someone put together hundreds of hours of him talking about different it just I mean I've I There's tr- so much to go on there. I mean That's what I mean, but the it's technology people the culture, are listening. The, history, the battles. Exactly. So he does all of it. He just awesome. and he talks it all out. And it's and I tried to I mean I got to like maybe It's just one fascinating episode. that like these guys like figured out so much shit and stole a lot of it too. But but anyway, like so, so you got your you got your Tucker Carlson's. You're like, I just read a lot of books about bridges and general yeah. and stuff. So, and then they look at the modern world and they go like, I got this all figured out. Right. So they read about infrastructure and then go on the radio and talk <laughs> about these crazy ideas. You're like, but your background is in a bridge building and road <laughs> maintenance. So how are you now also an expert? Because we're not on men. presidents and politics. Right. And you're like, well, it's all political. It's all political. Yeah. It's, it's all, all power. Political. So mm-hmm. I know it all. I know power. Since I, know I how. read it. Yeah. And it's basically, you've been playing Age of Empires, bro. Yeah. So anyway, so you got those kind of people. And then you have the, the like, this used to be more of like an underground guy. Like this was a guy who, he really likes the movie Slacker. And he has like a, a post hardcore band. Hmm. And, you know, he uh, no, he's the guy in the group who knows who really killed Kennedy. So this is yeah. like your this is like your um your old school Gen X uh uh conspiracy theorist. The oh, guy like he's the guy who's like did you know the bridge between Kurt Cobain was murdered and JFK was you know yeah. was but they'll conspiracy. always listen to him because he holds the best baseline yeah. in the band. This guy did <laughs> exactly. It's like well we listen to him because he's we also need him. good at guitar but like mostly bass yeah. is his thing. He can do both. 
He's actually a decent drummer too. But uh, wow. but this guy, this was like before internet. So like this guy, like I always feel like every time I tell someone like, oh, yeah, I'm into Kennedy Sessions, but whoa, you know, my friend Art, he knows what's up, and like Art is going off of some information from long ago that's been disproven. But whatever. So pre-internet, this guy had a good shot of like you know, bumming a smoke off of a girl at a party and like convincing her that he knew the, the mysteries of the universe. That's there, there's like a, if I had been born like 10 or 20 years earlier, like I would have easily become that guy. Yeah, but you weren't. That's the no. difficult part to live with. Like every day you have to live with the fact that you're not that guy. Mm-hmm. You probably think about that just as much as the Roman Empire, don't you? Right. Yeah. yeah like no. how can you not think it's like, I would have been that guy. If only I was born 10 if years earlier. If I was earlier, born in the Roman Empire, I would have been, been that guy. Console. It's like the government. It's like why do we waste our time sitting around as we get older thinking about who we would have been who's even older than we are now? It's like <laughs> if I was born if I was ten years older than my already aged self, like I turned forty this year. If I was fifty three, it's like why are you wasting your time thinking about this hypothetical figure that's not only not you but older than you? It makes no sense. So okay, so it's you like got your like, I read a lot of history, then you got your old school conspiracy theorists. Then you got your your got your hacker conspiracy theorist. Oh, you've got your um, uh, UFO. What you got your UFO guy. Objects? You've got yeah. You've got your crypto guy. You've got oh, and then you've got your spiritual guy. Oh yeah. You're like this. What guy. about and then what about just forces that you just feel? <laughs> what is that one called? Is that that's not spiritual. That's. Um, uh, like uh, hermetic schizophrenia it's schizophrenic <laughs> then yeah then you got your uh yeah you got your um you got your science is my religion guy yeah you got your guy who's like it's all numbers religion is science yeah you also we got that guy it's the but, numerologist yeah yeah, yeah yeah it's all numbers so there's all these different people who want to we all want to be in on it yeah. you know or explain I mean? the complexity of the world in something just simple or yes. singular. Yeah. It all, they always, like it all comes down to numbers or it all comes down to religion. Or it all comes out. It's like, does it really all come down to this one thing? It does make it nice. It fits in a nice package. I awe at the entropy. I awe that there is like, yeah. there's nothing that like I, people have mentioned uh, Phil Collins to me three times in the past 24 hours, but I do not think yeah. that there's any, I think, yeah, and entropy is a good word because it's like if you don't have that, you're spinning out of control. Yeah. You don't want the world spinning out of control. If the way that the world doesn't spin out of control is tethering to something like Phil Collins, you should just <laughs> sleep really well at night because you're like, at least we're tethering to Phil Collins and not something else. That right. could be very bad. The point is like, I, great. I, like, I'm uninterested in like confirming and being like, I understand what's going on because I know about Watergate. Right. I'm but more like you can understand Watergate's why. so interesting, and isn't it interesting that it also relates back to the lady who wrote <laughs> when Harry met when Sally. Harry met Sally. And now we already have a new movie to make that's really just hey, those right. are the guys that did I don't that care. are working on the article. I don't care if it makes sense. I don't want it to make sense. It doesn't need it's just to. Interesting. Yeah. So like that's why I get involved. Like I, I get involved in learning about all these topics. It's not to like figure out like not to to convince anybody that i've got it all figured out but to revel in all of these crazy little details yeah and so there are certain people groups events and bits of evidence that are people use as kind of portholes into this what i like to call the world behind worlds like there's yeah that we all want to be part of it we all want to know like oh those guys you know we you know what 
Bush is really saying when he's leaning over and talking to Obama. Yeah. You know, you know what really those guys, we talk about this all the time, what those guys are having at those, talking about at those secret meetings. Would or, that be crypto? Because you're, you're trying to like decipher something? Yeah. Something like that. Like that. We yeah. all want to know that world behind worlds of yeah. what's really happening. So where do you go to talk to these people? You said there's places where they meet up. So what's some examples? Like if I wanted to do this. You said the ones that sit around talking about this all the time. Like what are they really saying into the ear? Like what is Bush whispering to Obama? Oh, right. Where do these people hang out? How can I meet up with them? I don't know. <laughs> I did want to start going to consciousness seminars because I think you'll find a lot of people trying to monetize whatever we want to call consciousness. And because it's been... You know, like with chat GPT and all, it's become very popular to talk about. But if you think about like consciousness and the ability to uh, have some unifying theory that like makes you not only seem unique on the planet, that humans are mm. unique. And one thing that makes you unique is consciousness, but this like fantasy and able to control it. So you can go back to even like, you know, cave paintings from tens of thousands of years ago. Not only humans, but other species in different ways are probably had that thought of like, what is this consciousness and how can I control mm. it? And so like the most recent iterations with like the internet and computers are like, well, now we can get machines to generate and it, it'll come to a head when it's like that saying like actions speak louder than words. At some point if words and like images get so cheapified, yeah. it's really just going to go back to that like, oh, do you want to go back to stones and being a caveman? At some point, the going back could be where we, words have been cheapened so much that actions do speak louder and people just got to do things to survive. You can't mm -hmm. just say things, you know? Yeah. And so it's like, will that happen? It's like, I don't know. But in like 150,000 years, I hope I'm still alive to see like what's going on in 150,000 years. 150,000 years? You yeah, because people like, like 20 years from now, like who cares? Like I want to know like 150,000, 2.5 million. Like I want to go out like deep. And like see what's going on. Like the yeah. next twenty, it's like it's gonna be roughly the same as now. It's gonna be very different, but the same. Like steering wheels won't. There'll still be steering wheels. There'll still be steering wheels. Um, Chairs. Yeah, and it's like it was Matt David Graeber that one of his like headline articles that popularized himself in the '90s was of flying cars. This idea of like there's always be something, but at the end of the day, we're still in cars, whether they're flying or not. Yeah, we're so, like we haven't changed that. Exactly. It was like still gonna be like the quickest way to fly someplace. Yeah. And if you just let everyone fly over, it'll be total chaos. Yeah. You're still gonna have to have a lane. So yeah. There'll still be traffic. Exactly. But That's he was like also the, an anthropologist, and what he was trying to say is like any civilization that has tries to achieve this vast richness of material existence has usually puttered out in history way before they got to that vision because they had to destroy so much planet and people that they never actually got there. Right. Like that was his anthropological... Spent too much time conquering. Yeah, they were conquering and had these grand... So he called it a flying cars. It was both about that, but also like at the last 5,000 years because he was always going back. It was like, it never really happened because we never got there because we destroyed too much shit before we could do it. Yeah. I mean, we have flying cars. They're called helicopters. It's not everyone has them. Yeah, but the idea of having it be a car that you park in your garage right. and then lift it. fly. Yeah, that's why it's flying cars and not helicopters. Right. But yeah. Well, I mean, they they show it perfectly in Back to the Future 2, which for our generation is like when we think of a flying car, like I think we yeah. think of Back to the Future 2. Yeah, and 151 he's like, miles an hour, right? Yeah, 88. 88. And then he goes, uh, <laughs> he goes uh, he's like, oh, the Skyway's jammed. The Skyway is jammed. 
And he's like, and Marty's like, what the hell are you talking about, Doc? I thought we were flying. And it's just like, yeah, you're. It's like what that guy's saying. You're still in a car. You're, you're still, still in a car, traffic. and you need lanes. The skyway's still jammed. Exactly. Oh, someone had this great post the other day to like eons, reams of people talking about. I can't remember the topic, but they're like, sometimes you just have to go back to these single sentences we know are written thousands of years ago, where they encapsulate the same like hyperventilating in just like one sentence. <laughs> and I, I can't. As I said it, I totally forgot what it is. But it was just so perfect. It's like, you know, we've been talking about this for thousands of years. And yeah. sometimes, like, even if you write a 50-page or 300-page... Oh, I think it was about that document of about the uh, uh, some legal scholars out of... I can't remember where. Wrote, like, a 60- or 50-page paper laying out something about Trump and, like, all the... Blah, blah, blah. But then someone's post on it was this one sentence from along ago. It's like this basically, and it summed it up so well. It was so perfect. It's like you could say it in 88 pages or you could say it in one sentence. It's like we kind of know. It's like, you know, boys and their toys. It's just games. And it was a really good sentence from a long, long time ago. But we can't think of it right now. We folks. can't, but it's good because it's also being like, who cares? Like, why don't we? It's like, this is not the greatest song. This is just, just a tribute. A tribute. <laughs> exactly. Because like we could write it. But like for me personally, like I'd rather make small prunes on my trees because I'm trying to make them billow in a certain way mm-hmm. and go write random shit than actually work on like trying to figure out some of these things because there's no figuring out to really be done. It's like you got to just, you know, immerse yourself in the world every day in some way that's real. Hmm. So, you know, sometimes you clip plants. Well, folks, I think that's a good way to round out whatever the <laughs> fuck we've been talking about for two hours and 52 minutes is that actually a timer though yeah. i'm kidding yeah i think so this is the th- this is a, this is the thing is like uh, i don't pod in so long that when i i do i pod for three hours. could you before we go off could we end yeah. it by looking up a couple movies that are about two hours and 53 minutes long because some of them sure. like isn't like see if i can Cleopatra, think of one like or is that three hours and 21 minutes cleopatra and like her I think Ben Hur is about two fifty nine. So I think Cleopatra is a little. Ben Hur might be like as long as three twelve. And then aren't there different cuts? Yeah. So for instance, like a good example is um, the original theatrical cut of Batman vs Superman is two and a half hours, but the director's cut is three hours, and it makes way more sense. Or maybe it's two hours and the director's cut is two and a half hours. But all right, so Cleopatra. Yes, I have a loud, old-timey sounding keyboard. 353. Damn, son. It's almost four hours long. Okay, so we didn't quite there. Wow. Is there a six-hour version? Mankiewicz envisioned Sklopatra's six-hour two-part film. It's interesting. I just downloaded, uh, or I just bought, um, what's it called on iTunes? Uh, the four-hour Hamlet by Brana. So good. Enjoying it. Um, anyway... Cleopatra running time. And then what, what was the other one? Ben-Hur? Ben-Hur. 327. Yeah, these are all... What were, There was movies in the 90s that were... I mean, uh, um, uh, Titanic, I think it's like three. Oh, Titanic is just about, I think... 315. 314. Wow. That's um, a long-ass motherfucking movie. I mean, Gone with the Wind, that's got to be like That's three, over three hours, too. Yeah. Man, running time. This is a fun game. Yeah. Three, 342. Fuck, man. I hate that movie. <laughs> See, then here's the thing. Okay. Gone with, so it's it says people also search for, and it shows Titanic, 315. And then um, 
Wizard of Oz 152, Casablanca, one hour, 42 minutes. Okay. That's it? So oh, yeah, Casablanca like, was short. These are four of the greatest movies of all times, two of which I think are fucking trash and two of which I think are classics. The That's trash great. is Gone with the Wind. Okay. Four, almost four hours of fucking boring racist bullshit. Titanic, over three hours of just ripping off A Night to Remember and then winning an Oscar for Which movie was best screenplay. Off like, Night I, to Remember? Titanic ripped uh. off A Night to Remember. Like, I don't <laughs> think James Cameron should win an Oscar for best screenplay for Titanic. I think he should be kicked out of the Writers Guild for stealing. <laughs> Plagiarism. Okay. The You're movie so is dumb. a piece of shit. And it's also like, clearly, she is an unreliable narrator, Rose. She's like, she's like, I realize that we're all hearing it just from her perspective. She says, wow. oh, yeah, and my, my husband or uh, my fiancé, he was so mean that he threw the table, and, and he tried to get on a boat with a little kid and pretend that little kid was his. I remember rewatching that movie. I'm like, how would she, if we're hearing this from her, how would she know the part where he kidnapped a little kid to get on the boat? You're just telling this to, uh, to what's his name, so that, um, to game over, man. Damn. So... I was hoping Castaway. It's two twenty-four. I was hoping okay. it was two fifty. That seems like the kind of movie you would like. Yeah. Well, we talked about Tom Hanks a couple of times. Yeah. Today, so. so Wizard of Oz and Casablanca, which I think are two triumphs. Wizard of Oz is like one of the great genre fantasy children's yeah, movies. List and Cas- Cas- Schindler's List probably two and a half. No. Yeah, it probably was. Um, and then Casablanca, which I think is the uh, Casablanca and Back to the Future, I think are the two greatest screenplays of all time. Um, so the epic movies Wizard of Oz is, is an epic movie think of all of the different sequences all of the characters oh it's one of my favorites all of the I've songs. seen it so many times there's so like that movie seems like it's 10 hours long it is an hour and 52 yeah, minutes yeah because they don't there's nothing every single thing is just gold like there's yes. no s- yes exactly yeah. Casablanca have you seen Casablanca I have several times. So many the first, great It's one of the lines. only movies I watched twice in a row the first time I saw it. I usually oh, don't do that. I love it. it I love so it. Good. So many good scenes, so many good characters, the songs. I mean, like, packed And it's so less much. than two hours, right? It's an hour and 42 minutes, dude. Yeah, and it goes quick. Dude, Citizen Kane. They don't Ron's waste their Kane. time on anything. They don't double down on anything. I'm, like, looking up the, the best movies of all t- what people think are the best movies of all time that I like and the ones that I don't like. And it seems the ones that I like are the short ones. There are no movies that are about less than 159. So, what movies slightly less than three hours? We can't find a single one. I don't know, but now I think we've gone over three hours. Okay. We're at 257. All right. Let's. I think that's crazy, though, that we couldn't do this. Yeah. I mean, let's get a list of all movies ranked ever. All right, Craig. But as much as. Right now. As much as I really want to make it to three hours and 14 minutes and then just match Titanic, I also really want a cold taquito <laughs> wow yes and i gotta pee all right well ladies and gentlemen you've been listening to us talk on the internet here at handsome headquarters in sunny los angeles california for liberal guilt lady for liberal guilt radio lgr i'm lee sanger golden joined today by ben good night i'll let you have the last word oh wait i just got it say nothing say another word another word